Hi, Danny. We couldn't think of anything funny to start with, so what I'm going to do is I have a thread here from Daka Daka from, let me see here, 2010? 2010. Oh, nice. Uh, It's under the, you can find it if you search, it's under Funny Noob Stories. Noob, of course, referring to new player. Um, The comment is, this morning I went to a games workshop in Milton Keynes and I played a game with the beginners because I was bored. Some of the younger kids were shouting at me. You're not allowed three HQ units. Only one is. The others are sergeants. He said we can't have heavy support today. It's a dedicated transport. A Razorback with a last cannon. How come your space marines are black and orange? They should be blue and gold. Are they chaos? It's my own renegade chapter, but still loyal to the emperor. What's a chapter? Wow, I've never seen those kinds of space marines before. To my friend, who collects Eldar. It was hilarious and frustrating at the same time. (laughs) But they were beginners. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... What a story. Yeah. That was an emotional journey. That was an emotional um, journey. It was Michael Bay-esque. Um, yeah. I could feel the heat from the explosions. Uh, as, uh, yeah. Some more noob ahead. stories here. I put Lysander oh, with yeah. five storm bolts or terminators. Noob enough. Lol. <laughs> I deep strike True. him at the corner of the map thinking he would be useful there. Lysander did not crush skulls that day. Lysander, of course, whose nickname is Skull Crusher. <laughs> And not pussy who got kidnapped for like hundreds of years. <laughs> but that's a different matter entirely. I respect real war heroes, John. Ones that don't get captured. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys didn't just see is John almost spit out his drink all over the microphone. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a spicy take right there. <laughs> Lysander's family is going to be pissed now. Holy cow. Hey, welcome well, to Mob Rules. Uh, I am John, joined of course by... Danny and we are back and it doesn't feel like it's been two weeks uh mostly because my hobby progress has been about as nutritionally sound as a mcdonald's meal uh this past couple of weeks um but what have you been up to oh yeah okay um let's get right on into it here me yeah you just jumped right in there no time for even a breath hell yeah just um john yeah just cut in line (laughs) Right in front I learned. Of me. <laughs> I learned from the best. Pull the old Manavati on me, and I, I, just, I read uh, this I book, and it taught me everything I need to know. What you guys can't see is I'm holding up a physical copy of the Art of War. It's a visual joke, uh, referring to the Art of War uh, coaching service uh, on a audio medium. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, how about we talk about what we're going to talk about today, and then I'll talk Hell about Hell yeah, that's coach. probably way more helpful to see people want to turn off right now or wait until 10 minutes in. I mean, as much as I love to just, like, you know, lure them in with some hobby progress and then flip right to a nonsensical interview with Val Heffelfinger, yeah. um, which is what actually happens. That is what's happening in this episode. Yes. I hope you guys are ready. Um, uh, let's see. So we're going to talk about... Our hobby progress. We're going to talk to Val. Um, uh, we'll probably play some ads. Hell yeah. I mean, we play, are we playing ads? No. Yeah. And okay. for that one guy who bitches, the whistling commercial will be in there. 
Oh, hell yeah. Specifically because we love it and because you complain about it. <laughs> um, we're going to talk to Ennis. Um, that may be a couple segments away, but, but that'll happen. That is next, um, sir. You don't have it in your what? show notes because I didn't add it in the show notes. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just over here happy that you read. Your army list. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt failure. again. Yeah, I'm just... I'm yeah, just no, fine. I'm just happy that Thanks, you man. read my show notes. Uh, I'm super happy. <laughs> yeah, for once. I don't read those. <laughs> I just make this up as I go. Hell yeah. Maybe we'll talk about Baylor. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, well, t- time dependent. Uh, we will, but yeah, we're definitely going to, like I said, we have a great uh, conversation with Val. Uh, we had him scheduled for 30 minutes to talk about a very specific subject, and we ended up talking for an hour about, uh, amongst other things, the origins of the Olympic Games. Um mm-hmm. Uh, the Which Cana- somehow was related to 40k. I don't know. Yeah, uh, not having any places to play 40k, so him stalking every celebrity on Warhammer uh, through audio, um, all kinds of great <laughs> stuff in there. Those Real are just solid stuff. Those are just the highlights, guys. Uh, there, there's more to come. Yeah, there's definitely some lowlights, but those are the highlights. Um, but yeah, uh, so let's uh, let's talk about hobby stuff. Hell yeah, let's do it. I've thrown down the art of war. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm going for all kinds of uh, visual jokes uh, just to really kind of make sure we're as inaccessible as possible. Drive it home. Drive it home. I mean, I want to make yeah, I want to make sure people, uh, us be as unrelatable as possible to as, mu- as many people. I think that's Hell the goal yeah. of this episode. Hell yeah. That's the goal of every so, episode. We had Danny. I spent $3,000 gold playing the heavy intercessors that I got the other day <laughs> to uh, add on to that inaccessible. No, I'm just kidding. Rolling in that Patreon money. <laughs> well, your army isn't gold plated. Yeah, what? Thanks, guys. Losers. Uh, I did. Uh, I did get another five heavy intercessors in the mail. Oh yeah. Um, did you split some boxes or is that an eBay lot? Yeah. I just bought, I just bought five from eBay. Um, I do have another couple sets of flayed ones and some chronomancers coming from Tim, which is nice. Amazing. Um, yep. Uh, so I built those, got some uh, uh, some cool Dark Angel shoulder pads on them. I also built uh, five Blade Guard veterans or six Blade Guard veterans from the new multi part kits. Oh, yeah. Um, man, those kits are really nice. Lots of bits, tons of extras. They're really cool models. And then I don't know if you posted um, a picture, Danny, but you put the Dark Angel kind of like the feather heads on there. Amanda's a simple head yeah, swap. Yeah, the Deathwing companion heads. Yeah, does a simple oh, little man. head yeah. swap make cool. make it just amazing? Uh, they turned out super, super good. Like yeah. they almost look like they were made to be Deathwing. I'm hype. Um, I may do a little bit more work on them. I've got uh, I got some terminator boxes that i need to find with deathwing bits so i might switch their storms their storm shields for the more uh like triangular um deathwing storm shields with like the angel icons on them so they'll make them a little bit more and then i got some i got some uh shapeways uh shoulder pads on the way for them as well some deathwing shoulder pads for those guys since they don't make deathwing shoulder pads for uh for primary stuff yet so working on them uh i played many a game uh and by that, I mean two games. I played two games. Was that virtual uh, games? Yeah. Uh, sorry, two virtual games. 
um, since the last time we recorded. I have not played an in-person game for quite some time. We got to do that sometime. We do. We we um, need to the next couple of weeks definitely get done. I want to throw down my new list against you because I think yeah. it's good. Well, and we'll have some new. You'll, you might have some new toys to play with. Oh yeah. By the way, uh, Ennis and I, we were chatting a little bit before this, uh, and uh, I think that there might be a pretty good Plague Marine spam list um, with this new uh, detachment the Games Workshop kind of previewed today. You know, everyone's kind of uh, shitting on it. In the week. Everyone's kind of shitting on it a little bit, but I think it's real good. Uh, I don't know. So that's Power like, Fist. I kind of agree with him, right? I think the Power Fist is money. He disagrees, but that's fine. He, he's not right about everything. No. Um, but the uh, the uh, uh, plague marine squads uh, that deep strike in can always can always rapid fire their bolters, so it doesn't matter how far away they are, right? And if you take there's the banner that six is to hit auto wound, mm-hmm. right? And then there's that relic where six is to hit uh, do an extra hit in addition. Um, you can turn them into plague weapons and reroll their all their failed wound rolls um, with the stratagem. So I think there's some play for like deep striking squads of of those guys down and like hitting people with good AP on their bolters, like a surprising amount of, of AP on their bolters. And you can even drop um, a lord of like successful wounds. You can drop a lord of virulence beside them to give them a minus one on their sure. bolters too. Yeah, yeah. If if you spend the point to make their bolters plague weapons, because this thing only works on plague weapons. Weirdly. Yeah, which is uh, so um, worth. It was so worth it. Danny's face froze up. Yeah. And they're dope. They're dope models. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, I played a couple of games with Dark Angels. Uh, I played one practice game. Um, maybe I played two practice games since last time we talked. I think I played against Seth and he whooped my ass. Uh <laughs> Uh, pretty bad. Uh, there was a lot of sh- shit talking between the two of us. Was that with Chuck's uh, buggy list? Stringing setup. Yeah, Chuck's buggy list. Yeah, it was with Chuck's buggy list. Perfect. Uh, for sure. Um, it's funny how often like Seth just like steals stuff from other people, and then like I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's weird. Makes entire YouTube um, series about how to play it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird that he would take somebody's list and then make a video series about it, right? Like, <laughs> like, hey, here's how you do this. Well, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from the person who's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but yeah, he uh, that's streaming on Dangly Boys, so you can check that out. Um, you can hear me get pretty salty. Because <laughs> uh, Seth, I don't know what it is. His dice just turn the fuck on whenever we play. Like, no joke. It is like night and I've never, I've never had orcs roll like that in my entire life. Anytime I played them. Well, so I'm not calling someone a cheater, but they have had that, you know, TTS dice, dice issue. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I would say that was it, but, uh, I created the game. So if anybody was cheating with the dice, it was me. Uh, <laughs> the real dangly boys were the dice we changed along the way. Yeah, oh, you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So here's a good example of this, of this, like, right. So I charge in to a squad of five commandos, right? Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, three commandos, right. With a uh, Ravenwing talent master. Now he's got reroll to hit reroll to wound on all of his attacks because he's got, um, uh, he's got, uh, righteous repugnance on him. So he's hitting on twos, wounding on threes, full rerolls. Wait, no, that's not even the case. Fuck that. I'm sorry. I shoot these guys with a fucking assault cannon. Five of them. Five dudes with an assault cannon. 
Seth proceeds to roll out of out of uh, the uh, the seven wounds that I do to him. He makes like he makes like five six up invulnerable saves. Oh, Dude, so I kill like I kill like two two orcs in the shooting phase. It was insane. He made all of these six ups like nobody fucking died. It was the most irritating thing in the, on the on the planet, and it cost me like. I don't know, probably it cost me five primary points for sure. Then my talent, then my talent master got eight. That, yeah, it was super bad. Anyway, so fuck you, Seth. And then I played, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I played a uh, practice game against Peter, uh, the Falcon, um, which was really fun. Um, he was played, he played Death Watch. We may have played two games in the last two weeks. It's been, it seems like that's right. Um, but he's played a couple of iterations of Death Watch against my uh, Dark Angels. All these games are against my Dark Angels list. Um, and uh, it was uh, pretty, it was close one of the games, but then the other game was a super blowout. Um, it looked like he was whooping my ass all game, but then like last turn, and this is kind of the style with this list. I make like, in the last two turns, I make like 60 points. Like just because I always take while we stand, we fight with this army because it's super awful to try and get rid of anything in the, in the list. And then... Uh, I take uh uh I take usually like a like an end, another end game secondary and I'm usually scoring 15 points on primary the last two turns. Um so I played him I won both of those games um but really fun and man he did a number on my on my Deathwing terminators with his uh inceptors cuz they have a kill team for Deathwatch that allows full rerolls against elites and I mean in this meta I mean you have to be able to deal with Deathwing so if you can do a lot of like good AP one damage shots you're going to end up with reroll to wound like you're going to do a lot of damage to them um so he killed them down to three guys out of 10 like in one round of oh, in one round of shoot and and combat between the two of those things so it was significant i was like oh shit um so that game and then i played uh, i joined uh, an online gt um for tts uh, through the northern front discord um, which is super fun, run by uh, John Kilcullen, um, who's a great guy, really good baseball player. Um, I think he's a Gunhammer contributor as well. Um, so, uh, oh, I did play a practice game against him. Uh, I, I whooped up on some spaceballs, let me tell you. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to say. Dark Angels did work that game. Um, and then I played my actual opponent. Um, he goes by Dudes. He was really, really friendly guy. Um, really fun game, super casual, which is great. Um, and, uh, lots of laughs. Uh, and I managed to pull that one out too. Um, he was playing sisters of battle and I managed to kind of de-mech him kind of early on in the game. Like by turn two, I destroyed both of his rhinos full of repentia and I was able to really put the hurt on those repentia. Um, he had some insanely bad dice rolls though. The first turn. Uh, okay. Here's an example, a shot, eight bolter shots at, five Zephyrim uh, from some attack bikes at minus one to hit, I killed four. Like, there's no reason why I should ever be able to kill four. That's a lot of, uh, yeah. Exactly. Four of those girls. Uh, it just, and there were three up saves. He, I made him take five saves. He failed four of them. Then I blew up a rhino and he had to do the emergency disembarkation to like hide his, hide his unit and uh, rolled 10 dice, rolled five ones and twos. Oh. So he lost half of his squad of Repentia from one of the units. Like, just because the rhino exploded. 
Um, and then the other rhino actually exploded. Like it blew up, blew up, and did a bunch of mortal wounds all across his army, which was bad. So he was like not able to catch a break. But to his credit, like never once complained about that, uh, even one time. So like what a really stand-up guy. Um, and then the rest of his army like couldn't quite, he couldn't hit me with a combo punch of like two squads of retributors uh, with multi-meltas and, and maybe one or two squads of Repentia, which would have been able to deal with the Deathwing. He was only able to get the, the retributors in and they only killed four Terminators. So, uh, and that was, that was pretty much game. Um, so yeah, uh, so I won that one like 82 to 27, I think was the score. Um, and you can see that on BCP if you want to track my progress or whatever. Um, and creep on me as I play this tournament. You're like, no big deal. Check my win rate. Look at those points. <laughs> let me put, let, watch me put up them points. You're like, notice me, <laughs> senpais. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's been pretty much me. John, what have you been up to? Oh, Dang, real, real little. I mean, this is where I would show you my pa- uh, my pile of painted six death shroud if the boxes had come in, um, but those are still on Com Forty K inspired um, back order. Uh, there was a Kickstarter that closed out on some terrain uh, that I forgot about, but that's great. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's pre painted, um, kind of like foam card terrain, um, but it looks amazing. It's super good. It's it uh, I, I believe it's called Tinker Turf. Uh, and from like what they showed in the videos uh, and the strength of it, it looks really strong. Uh, and I'm really excited to get it in. And on top of that, I ordered a new map from Frontline uh, with the new 44 by 60 table dimension. Um, because nice. as much as I love uh, my current setup of some tape, um, I, <laughs> I'm ready to kind of upgrade and, and kind of just go for the new standard. Because I think, again, I don't see the tables getting bigger. Uh, the way the game plays right now is just so much fun. And it's so, oh, it's so it's frantic, so, it's and, so and a lot of that comes from the reduced square, square footage of the board. Uh, so I, I got yep. that, so I'm going to wait for all that to come in, and then we'll, I should have a pretty nice home setup from that, if I'm being honest with you. Um, yeah, Tinker nice. Turf Terrain. Uh, I believe they're still accepting pre-orders through Kickstarter. Um, yeah, uh, I I continued to paint my one Gene Stealer Cult bike uh, that, oh, I'm, good. that I'm trying to kind of perfect the, the color scheme for. Um, for the not a cult mining company and social club that, uh, that I've started, <laughs> uh, which again, I think it's just honestly at this point of me, would it be nice to run a, a full GSC army? Yeah. Uh, but at this point it's just nice to paint something that isn't death guard. I think in the last 12 months mm-hmm. I've painted around four to 5,000 points of death guard. Um, so just something, and again, even crazy, although all my stuff is purple and gold, something that isn't purple and gold is just real nice to do. And those bikes are just amazing models. Holy cow. Uh, so much character <laughs> and the little dirt bikes and it really makes me want to watch hackers but I think we talked about that last time um, I got a new computer in uh, so we should be doing some more video oh, yeah. stuff uh, I am actually able to run tabletop simulator with the kind of armies I run which is uh, very model orientated so I, so I played around with that a little bit try to make my, my death guard army um, and kind of played around a little there I still think having my 60 pox walkers is going to be a pain in the ass to, to move around, but I'm excited to kind of get it in there. Um, and then nice. uh, I ordered a White Dwarf subscription. I, I went I went for it, just did the year-long one. Really? I did. I put down that $90 uh, for the year subscription, and what made me do it was uh, this month's issue where it has the 50 bajillion Steam keys uh, for all of the games. Um Okay. So I was like, yeah, there's been some good content there recently. Maybe we can steal some content from it by reviewing it uh, a la Spiky Bit style. Uh, yeah. Who knows? 
<laughs> but I was like, you know, it's time that uh, they deserve it. Uh, they've done a lot for the community, which is something we attempt to talk about with Val before we derail ourselves uh, a whole bunch there. Uh, but outside of that, I listened to some more of the the uh, the new Avenging Sun book. I mean, that's super good. There's a, a lady uh, night pilot in the book who has a special Questorus knight that has a Thunderstrike gauntlet, and then the giant flamer uh, from the the giant knight, which is pretty rad. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that, that's that, pretty cool. That's her armament on that, and uh, like I really want to make that model now. But also at the same time, I don't want to spend two hundred and fifty dollars making that model. But I feel it would look cool as shit. I mean, because it's reinforced. <laughs> um, they reinforce it so that it can fit the giant uh, flamer, um, and is desi- uh, described as being very asymmetrical. So I think it would look really cool, and it gives me hope that in the Knights book you can switch weapons around. <laughs> so, That'd be cool. Which would be, be really which, cool. Which would be super cool. But yeah, just the image of like just this giant flamer being held in a Thunderstrike gauntlet is kind of stuck with me now. Um, but yeah, aside from that, literally nothing. It's been super boring. Um, and you know what, Danny? I lied. Uh, we're not going to switch to Ennis right now before we go and talk to Val um, of every podcast fame. Uh, we are going to listen <laughs> to my least favorite ad, uh, the BCP ad. Uh, and then oh. of, of just a phenomenal <laughs> product, which I, I fully endorse and should be used for all events, large and small, to, to make pairings and results easier. Um, and then when we come back, uh, we'll be uh, back with the famed Val Heffelfinger um, to try and talk about something, but mostly get sidetracked. Um, it was a really fun interview, though. Uh, we had a lot of fun with him. It was. And he will definitely get him back to not talk about 40K because that's where most of the fun came from. Uh, but... Uh, we'll be right back after this dude i'm the best i took first place at another tournament first off stop with the thunder and lightning you don't impress me and second let me check out the bcp rankings and i don't see you on there what your to needs to download the best coast pairings app and run events on it after the event the results are uploaded into BCP rankings, and the best part, it's easy and free. But I play multiple game systems. No big deal. The BCP app can be used for any game. A ton of events every weekend are using it, from major international tournaments to local stores. And now that it's available on Android devices, you're going to have some serious competition. There can be only one. BCP rankings is a fun and exciting way to measure how you or your team stack up. No matter what you play, your score goes to an overall ranking or compete to be the best in a game, a circuit, a region, or the world. Download the app or visit www.bestcoastpairings.com for more info. Best Coast Pairings. Are you the best? Well, we're back, and we've missed like 20, 25 minutes of like quality shit-talking jokes. Um, we had a great whatever we just did, uh, and we are back with Val. Uh John, we talked about our hobby, dude. Come on, you oh, know that's the, you right. Know the order of these that's right. Going. I absolutely write out detailed show, show notes. I wrote show, show notes. Show order, guys. Like that is just. Who it, does this, that? this is a well-oiled machine. It is. Did you it? guys go to the Carl Tuttle podcasting seminar? I did. Well, actually, <laughs> when we started this, the first thing we did, like Ted and I, when we started the podcast like five years ago, was email Carl. He'd be like, "Hello, sir. How are you?" <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that it was long ago enough that that was the first mode that you went with. Yeah, yeah, and you just got... picked up the I picked up the phone and I said to the operator, "Give me Carl Tuttle." <laughs> Connect me to Tuttle. I want to talk about Forge World books. 
Those were excellent episodes. They were really good. So, and that's something like independent characters. They did like really amazing in-depth reviews of the Forge World books. Uh, and then it started declining a little bit. Well, not declining. It changed. It matured. Yeah. Um, and Is yeah. this because you've never been invited to the Astronomicon? Uh, always. Well, I'm very vindictive of everywhere I've not been invited. So, like, <laughs> I feel the same way about Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Tempe, Arizona. Those fat cats in Sedona. Indoors in Salt, Lake, Salt Lake City, yeah. Utah. Very mad at those people. Guadalajara, I Mexico. I, I got to interview Carl for the uh, Nova Charitable Foundation streamathon. And it was like the day after someone drove through his house. Like there was this horrible oh, yeah. thing that happened. What? Sorry, yeah. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, Someone, I don't know if it was, I honestly don't know the circumstances, but someone sort of plowed into the side of his house where his Warhammer game room is, where his Warhammer palace is. And so that, and then COVID happened and well, what's happening. And so it was, uh, you know, kind of took the, to, to the bounce out of his step. He's on hiatus again right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm excited when he comes he back. A huge hole in his house. And his heart. I don't know if that last part is true. God, I hope I, it's not uh, true. Yeah, no, no, no. But um, no, I, I think he's, you know, there's a, there's a little, there's a cadre of, of very long running podcasts. They all seem to be West Coasters. Maybe, maybe it's something, and Canhammer. Canhammer's super old. Yep. Um, might be the oldest, actually. Um, and then there's also somehow my boys, uh, Robo Ed and uh, Blake Gaskins, Big Nasty B. Life after the cover save. Has, has anyone else listened to that show? I feel like I'm the only guy who listens to it anymore. I, I listened to it. I, I told the story last episode of my introduction to those guys uh, when I was very, very drunk uh, at LVO 2018, <laughs> and they were I mean, working the else? they were working the um, like the badge table, like handing out badges, and yeah. I'm going up and being like, "Hey, my name's this. Where's my badge?" Da, da, da. And like the guy's like, "Dude, you're, you're spitting on me," and I'm like, "I'm sorry. I'm really <laughs> drunk." But then, like, refused to stop spitting. Like, just, it was not <laughs> happening. And he yeah. just, I've never seen anyone look so sad to be where they are and happy to be where they are at the same time. That sounds like it was, it was probably Ed, I, th- I feel. Yeah. I yeah. feel like, like that, that was Blake. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to channel your inner camel, though, John, and uh, really get to know him better. How's the inner goat uh, of just oh, spitting? Okay. Do goats spit? I don't know. I don't know, I'm guessing. Where's that a llama? A llama spit, yeah, yeah. And alpacas. What what character in the animated feature Aladdin uh, gets briefly turned into a llama or that a camel? Be, um, oh no, that's Apu. Emperor's new groove. Was the oh Emperor's new groove? Someone gets turned into sure? a llama. I'm pretty camel. sure a poo gets turned into a camel at some point. Yeah. Oh no, he gets oh, turned okay. into an elephant. I guess there's been a lot oh, of. Uh, that's right. It was an elephant. What do you call what do you call that when you when you turn an animal into a different kind of animal? Transmogrification. Both anthropomorphic. That's trippy. Yeah. So anywho, I've already derailed us five or six times. You're all so good. We got Val on. Yo. <laughs> the Val Hemelfinger ADHD podcast. I'm really happy to play Warhammer. Yeah. Uh, and that's about all we can talk about Warhammer at this point. No, but I mean, something you did mention at the start here, which is why you brought you on. There's a couple of like real old podcasts. So you have like Life After the Cover Save. Uh, you have like independent signals. characters, signals from the front lines in the thousands of episodes so. now. Uh, but there's been like a gigantic community growth over the last five years, uh, which you've kind of seen from his genesis from uh, early days. Or I think we we're Danny and I were talking about this last episode where you would show up at a tournament with your entire army, look at what everyone else was bringing and then tailor your list of that uh, to <laughs> kind of like the more modern iteration. 
<laughs> Justin does that. That was like my, okay, my very first tournament experience. I brought orcs to like a sixth edition tournament. This was like pre-ITC. And like I saw Justin just sort of looking around and just like trying to look at everyone's armies. Then he went out to his car and came back with like three satans and a couple of riptides. Just great times. <laughs> God, sixth edition was awesome. <laughs> I knew it was going to be salty as soon as you said that. <laughs> it was good so, times. So I, I wandered back in from the cold uh, about midway into 7th edition. I believe it was the swing and summer of 2015 uh, was when I was like, uh, sweetheart, I'm just going to like get, buy a couple toys. You know, I just I, I really want to just paint some models. You know, it's nothing weird. It's not like I'm going to be one of those convention guys. Just going to paint a couple minis. It's normal. I'm sure some of your other friends are into this. Um, and then like one year later, I was at the LVO. So <laughs> did you also tell her it would only be one army? I told my wife it would only be one army. Just a couple oh, models no, here and there. I, like it, it's, it's kind of funny that like I, my early years in, in Warhammer were, ba- it was the lengths that like, I think a more stereotypical male would go through to conceal an affair or second marriage. Um, <laughs> like I, I used I, I was just because I felt like uh, I needed to conceal my voracious appetite for the minis. And uh, I did quite a good job. In fact, I created a side business. I was uh, heavily involved in buying and selling minis. I paid, paid, paid for most of the bulk of the collection just by flipping lots. Because in those days, the game was out of, out of, out of fashion. I used yeah. a little, little, little uh, in, investment world principle known as arbitrage. So I would buy up lots of out of print forge world and stuff and like sell it to lonely people in Japan paid for a lot. You're still talking about miniatures, right? Not articles of clothing. Just, well, sure. if they ask for, you know, some, uh, Fresh resin in the box too, why not? Why not? Stinky underwear, a signed picture. Yeah. <laughs> this was long before I reached podcast fame. <laughs> oh um, man. Did you two also sit in your car uh, before entering the house, returning from the game store, slowly peeling off the price stickers on front of the box? It wasn't honestly, it wasn't really the price or the spend because again, I justified all that by literally starting a business to pay for it, <laughs> which is in just uh, the, the levels of psychosis we all go through <laughs> to do this very bizarre thing. Um, everyone goes through various versions of it to, make it make sense um so no i never really concealed things like that but there were a lot of boxes moving around that were unexplained uh <laughs> that's basically all i would say and i had a closet like my my stuff was packed in the closet deep in there oh yeah to the rafters by the end of it all and then i had so you'd say you were pretty deep down. in the closet by that point in time super yeah. closeted well i, I then I, I in fact cr- so deep in the closet that i invented an entirely side persona that is, is online has yeah, essentially sure. replaced my actual right. self like i don't go on any of my actual social media anymore <laughs> so my high school friends probably think i'm dead <laughs> is it better being dead or being uh, internationally known for playing Warhammer. <laughs> like when you, when, when like if you see a couple of your old high school friends, they, they, they come up to you and like, oh, hey, how's it going? And then you have a bunch of like nerds with like trays going, hey, Val. And they're like, you want to tell us something? You know, there? So there's something that's very, very true is that there's nothing less interesting to someone else than your hobby. Um, 
unless they happen to share it. But in sure. general, like no one gives a shit what you do in your free time. Like uh, they don't care. You know, they're waiting for their turn to talk. Most <laughs> so like, oh, you play with toy soldiers, cool. Anyway, so I was blah 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 blah. You know, it's just if they're not interested, they move on. No one's no one's holding anything against anyone. Everyone does something weird to fill the time until their inevitable end. So um, I was gonna yeah. say, so how did you make that jump? So you started buying stuff. You were starting kind of uh, international <laughs> miniature distribution, shipping, trading containers full of minis into australia <laughs> avoiding import taxes yeah. which i would I watch that show import export business yeah. I, I would watch that it, show it was of all like export. a, a it was all export <laughs> it, was, it was it's like it's you, you gotta you gotta sell to where the canadian dollar is at a at a discount so like selling to the united states was huge it was great like i could almost buy retail stuff because of the way that uh, the, the the way that the gw does its retail pricing which is Interesting. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I saw a thread about that that you commented on. Oh, did on you? On Facebook a while ago. Uh, yeah, and it made I, me it made me laugh pretty hard. Those guys were very uh, negative on your opinion. <laughs> so here's the thing: I did swing incredibly negative, and I was giving Games Workshop pretty much no credit whatsoever, which is probably too extreme on the wrong side of things. However, I also don't think that they have a particularly well thought out strategy if this is being done on purpose. So that was basically the moral of the story. But I did tell the guy who actually did the job that he didn't know what he was talking about. And at that point, I was like, <laughs> I am the problem. And so I had, to, I had to stop. And in fact, I left that forum entirely because that is a cesspool um, of comments and awfulness. I don't go to any of the like, the tragedy of the commons is just always demonstrated at any like broad topic warhammer facebook group i was gonna say that doesn't narrow down a lot of warhammer facebook groups of of toxicness and false opinions <laughs> i don't know some of them are better than others well um that's yeah. true yeah uh you were trying to get me to talk about something yeah about when when so when did you make this switch? so you're a player uh importer exporter uh and then you started a podcast and started appearing on podcasts and started becoming a quote-unquote personality not uh, well, not or, quite there. So, like, because I was deeply, oh. clo- I'm a deep, clo- deeply closeted Warhammer player, and also there's just not a lot of us around, right? We're we're pretty much unicorns. Um, I had some friends that played, and I was developing sort of a local friend group. Toronto's weird too, because like our real estate's really expensive. So, like, in the downtown where I live, no one, like, no game store can have like a thousand square feet of tables or whatever, and. Yeah. um and so there's just not really a lot of places to play. Um, so I got into podcasts because those are friends that are always with you. And they, they, they're always happy to talk about Warhammer. It's a bit of a one-sided conversation, but nonetheless, I just got degenerately into to podcasts. Even even bravely soldiered through uh, the, the depths of depression of about 7th edition on this show. And <laughs> I tended to find that there was a lot of saltiness out there and a lot of sadness a lot of upsetness. This is actually a good segue to the actual topic. Um, a lot of upsetness about, you know, the state the Games Workshop was in. Except for the tournament stuff. There was this ray of sunshine known as Reese Richard Robbins and the greatest Warhammer player ever, uh, Frankie G and Papa. And those guys, for some reason, did two podcasts a week, which is hilarious. Um and uh, they just had a good attitude about stuff, and they were excited, and they were always, like, they, I felt that they were very proactive. I loved how they were very, like, they didn't have any authority, and yet 
they somehow tricked uh, a lot of really opinionated shitty people into like listening to them uh which was really great by using points <laughs> like the social engineering that was the itc was actually quite awesome and, and remarkable and i loved watching that happen um and then um and so, yeah, so those guys were in my year a lot, basically. And so I was like, I got to get to a tournament then. And I looked around my local scene for tournaments, discovered that there weren't many. And then I also discovered just how taboo tournaments were then. This is only six years ago. But, like, in the Warhammer world, you want to play in a tournament? Oh, my God, you're cheesy. Oh, you're a you're, you're che- you're cheese. That's cheese. You're a cheesemonger. I was like, jeez, man, guys, come on. We can play this game. Like, What? And, um, and like, no one would do ITC points because the ITC was like, oh, those are competitive players, man. Like, you don't want to be like those guys. <laughs> and so I just started, like, hitting up game stores that I had no intention of ever visiting in my area mm-hmm. uh, and being like, hey, you got a tournament coming up next week. Uh, are you guys doing ITC points? And <laughs> they'd be like, no, we're not doing ITC points. I'm like, yeah, you guys should probably do ITC points. <laughs> and then slowly... They did. They started using ITC points, and then um, and uh, some tournaments started to be run um, more and more and more. We, I, I was involved in one of the first attempts at a GT that I knew of in my time. That was an actual competitive GT. Um, probably, I guess that was 2017. It was the first year of, of 8th edition. Um, anyway, so after that first year, I wind up going to LVO. I go to a couple. I go to a, uh, my... my I go to something called the Capital City Bloodbath in Ottawa. In October of that year, I went to uh, the Michigan GT, which is in Michigan. Um, and then I went to the Glass City GT, where I witnessed Aaron Aliong playing Josh Death on the top table. <laughs> which was, was oh, super special. Um, <laughs> my final round opponent at the, at the Michigan GT is a hopefully lifelong friend, Mr. Stephen Pamperine. And we he shared his grandma's cookies with me and we had just the most wholesome time. Oh, that's um, nice. And then uh, I went to the LVO and it was pretty much game over. And then I just continued doing events all through that year. And then I was also, because I have strong opinions and I'm loud all the time. I was messaging a lot of the people who made these podcasts that I was constantly listening to and starting conversations with them and talking to them. And so one night when Pablo was lonely and had no one to talk to, he yeah. uh, called me up after I had by default won the, Warzone Atlanta. Right. Oh yeah, that was the first time I had seen you on anything. I wait, think wait, I wait. listened to that podcast. So he said that. by default. How how do you win by default? The sorry, my baby. Nope. No, um, no that's my baby. But... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the I won by default because uh, one they at that time awarded um I, the the ITC points were awarded to their overall winner because they. Warzone Atlanta will tell you uh, that uh, they don't have one winner. They have a series. They have a bunch of winners. They have a best sports. They have an overall. They have a best general, etc. Yeah. So I had come in second by a hair on overall. So I had placed second in this um, in this GT, which was a major. So, uh, but then my my friend Andrew Whitaker, he did something weird. I, I can't remember what it was. He used an, a relic that he wasn't allowed to. Um, and it was it was important. I think he was maybe using the Lost Cadia or something. He was using something that really gave him an edge that he wasn't allowed to be using. And so uh, the um, the you know the 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 forty k um, mob uh, demanded blood, and uh, so he. <laughs> 
forfeit. He 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 kept his title apparently. Like so, so he still has his his trophy, but forfeited his points. Oh, he, he, rena- he lost the ITC points, which I gladly took, and I've been claiming to be the winner ever since. <laughs> Prove it; it's um, on paper. Kind of. I don't know. So that put yeah. me at that moment in 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 the lead for best orcs that year, which is hilarious. I have no no business being anywhere near the top of any rank. <laughs> so I had for like a brief moment in the sun, I had like some credibility, and. Um, and then I went to the LVO and I was and I lost immediately to Alex McDougal, who oh, was yeah. a very good Tyranid player. Um, and was playing Warriors, and I got to the table, I was like, idiots going Warriors. And then I lost <laughs> employment. Like, and then I just completely screwed the pooch. So Thanks. that's kind of a that's kind of a bit of a story arc for you for where I came from. I think my favorite part of a tournament is after you win your first round and for a brief glorious minute, you are on top of the entire tournament. <laughs> And then everyone else's scores oh. get added in, and you know you're you're back to where you should be. But for that brief moment, you're number one. The absolute, the absolute best version of that is the like when they first put the ITC rankings up, and it's just like whoever won an RTT that weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, up there with all the glory. Like that's 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 just wonderful. I love that. I took a screenshot. We we played an RTT first weekend a couple of years ago, and I was in the top ten, and I was. Uh, I was laughing all the way during dinner, and then a bunch of other scores got added, and I got kicked out almost immediately. <laughs> well, hey, at least you were in the right place to get the screenshot, right? That's right. You have hey, a screenshot. You know what, though, Mel? Don't just count yourself, man. Getting second place at a GT is a really is like that's a big deal. Well, so I wasn't in second place, really. I was second overall. So like that. Yeah, but overall me. is and I don't know. Like <laughs> overall is great. I had a commission yeah. painted army, and I gave all of my opponents maple syrup. So, you know, <laughs> I hope it was in a bottle and not just like it handfuls was. of it just shaped, like, like it was. Shaped, yeah, here, have it. Like, everyone had to check. No, but like, like everyone got a, like a gift that I bought a duty free on my way down and I didn't paint my own army. And uh, I guess I might have been somewhat fun to play. Uh, maybe I'm I sure definitely I definitely pressured Adam Abramowitz into voting me for best general. Uh, sorry for favorite opponent. Uh, like the I, irony I, I, I of that will, is palpable. I often, I often say that this is one of my deepest Warhammer regrets um, because it was not fair. And uh, but anyway, so I am the reason why overall scores are uh, uh, arbitrary and dumb. And um, yeah, well, I, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I like, did not deserve that. But second, it was fun and hilarious. Oh, I was gonna say you must you must have been fun to play if you ran over Gulliman with Peaches, and uh, oh. he didn't get back up right. No, he did not get back up with a reroll. Oh, yeah. It was glorious. It was easily, <laughs> easily the most glorious moment of my 40K life. But, like, that's an example. Like, for me, essentially, I can go at a GT 3-0. and I have never gone 4-0 because that, that's usually going to be top table or near it. Um, I've sniffed top table twice last year. That was the closest I've, I've been in. I've been in sort of a, a spot where I felt like I had a winnable game, and I lost in both cases. Sure. Um, and at the LVO, I've gone three and zero at least once, and I shit talked Naden uh, on day after day one. That was great. Yeah. Being able to be like, "Yo, where are you at?" There's a three and zero. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm at three and zero. What's up?" Yeah. <laughs> You're my bracket, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like as soon as I'm playing like actual like like good play, like like people who work at it. Um, yeah. And that's so many more people nowadays. Again, 
getting us back to the kind of like people, you know, uh, people make fun of the coaching services and stuff, but like if you're really into golf and I've known a lot of people who love golf a lot, and I don't think they're nearly as into golf as the average Warhammer player likes Warhammer, you know, like those people will go for golf lessons, you know? So like I have, I have nothing against people who, you know, uh, try to get better at this and, and seek good advice to do it, uh, except for the fact that I can't win RTTs anymore. And that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Until the end, I was going to be like, uh, is like this is culminating in a, if you go to Art of War and use promo code VAL <laughs> for your coaching no. service. No, no. This is my hobby and their job. It's uh, very different. Dude, I haven't won an RTT in like more than a year. I mean, how many have you taken part in though? Like five or six. Oh. You realize that most people haven't been to an RTT in literally a year. Well, (laughs) fair. (laughs) And the only reason that I I wouldn't... I you're aware of this in Alaska, but down here there's been a bit of a snafu. And the only reason I won ours, Danny, was because I managed to submarine under you uh, and give you the much harder matchups throughout that entire thing. Oh, yeah. That's my wife's move, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Submarine to avoid. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, go deep, go dark. So yeah, <laughs> we've gone from a place where like uh, GW released its weekly White Dwarf, which was just uh, average pictures of models oh, that were coming what out. What a hilarious anecdote! Yes, with Warhammer Visions, um, the the rest of White Dwarf. That's like a, a, a <laughs> DLC for White Dwarf. That was Warhammer Visions. <laughs> Um, you know what? I think people really like White Dwarf. So why don't we take all the good parts out? Sell more white dwarves. That's uh, probably how it went. That's exactly that board meeting. And you had that accent done like perfectly. You've been, you know, hanging out with Ross. It's like too I much. was there. Yeah. It's yeah. like I was there. <laughs> um, to like yeah, suddenly thanks. a couple of editions later, uh, Warhammer community launches uh, and we're having like daily articles, updates, community mm-hmm. feedback, all that other kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, what's, what's in your mind, the, the growth of the community, why is it at the place where it is now? Was it simply kind of a thing where GW is like, well, shit, people stop buying our stuff now. Um, or is it kind of the rise of podcasters, uh, content creators and kind of the competitive scene in general that's really pushed up this interaction? I think there's, there's a confluence of factors. How's that for a word used on this podcast? Confluence. It's going to be fun. We're going to give all of our listeners a 20 second break to Google what that word means. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Bill. You really slowed down our our flow here. Confluence. Um, (laughs) And uh, the first and foremost being uh, the much ballyhooed and probably overhyped ouster of one Kirby, who is the uh, CEO. of Games Workshop for many, many years, who uh, decried. Um, he's known for saying things like, people don't actually play games. Uh, that's where a lot of the, where a model manufacturer philosophy came from. And uh, also he was responsible for a lot of the extreme cost-cutting measures uh, that, you know, um, essentially, you know, the, 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 the envelope was starting to get light. So rather than innovating and improving their product, they just cut costs because that made sure that, they were still paying out to their shareholders, which at that point I think were just pretty much former owners who used it as their retirement fund. Um, I am speculating wildly here, but nonetheless, it was they definitely focused on controlling costs rather than improving quality and innovating. I think they I got rid say. of like a lot of tenured people as well to kind of save they, payroll costs. 
they crushed they they eliminated um uh a lot of local distribution canada for example used to have its own sort of corporate hq i think they did that elsewhere as well they consolidated we had uh, in the united states we had four different distribution centers at one point in time when i was working as a store manager yeah. Well, so. you're former GW. There's so no, many. no, no, not sorry. Oh. Independent realtor. Oh, I, okay. I ran cool. a game store. Yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, this is all happening, I guess, in the early 2010s or even earlier than that. This is before. This is when I'm not paying attention. I piece this together after the fact. No, I think yeah, it was it was in the early 2010s because I yeah. stopped in 2009. And yeah. I think and some of this comes from the fact that, like, from 2000 to 2009, they made that deal with New Line for Lord of the Rings games, saw the money just roll in the whole time. And then, of course, <laughs> when they stopped making Lord of the Rings movies, people stopped giving a shit about the system. For the most part. Sorry, Russell. I know you still love it. Um, people who like that game like it a lot. If you, go buy, if you go buy a Lord of the Rings tournament that's, like, one of the smaller events at a bigger tournament you're at, and you linger too long to look at, like, Smog or something, they are going to hit you up like an evangelical uh, on the bus. <laughs> it is, they are going to tell you the good news about Lord of the Rings. So be careful out there, folks. You might wind up. Just know your Arkenstone with, facts. That's With that's a little Mary do. and a little Pippin. <laughs> a little tree beard, some ants. Um, but anyway, um, where the, what was that time? Oh, just, so Games Workshop essentially was, was gutted by, its, by itself uh, to, to clearly try and improve top line um, numbers. So, so essentially... Like I said, you can either make more money or you can spend less money. They chose to spend less money and um, also really turn the screws hard on, you know, pricing, all that kind of stuff. So Games Workshop model in those days were to get a really dedicated group of customers and um, get as much out of them as they possibly could. And that was blatantly obvious, right? So, like, the amount of money that, like, the average, like, each store, like, Games Workshop has done a couple miracles one of which is they've maintained brick and mortar. Um, and the another one is they're a successful book publisher in the year 2021. Um, so, um, but they, so they depended on very small groups of customers that would like keep these stores up. And that's why they went to that, you know, one manager system too, as well as keeping those lights on for as little as possible, ruin someone's life. Um, but at least, you know, max, again, <laughs> maximize the profit coming out of that store. So it's an awful business model. Um, it, it, it's it's certainly not sustainable. It's kind of like stuff you saw, uh, I don't know, poorly run companies reacting terribly to the internet do all over the place. And that's kind of like, that's why, like, if you look at articles from these days, there, there was like, uh, you know, there'd be articles about like, is Britney Spears going to make it this weekend? Um, and also is Games Workshop going to go out of business? You know, like there's just a Games Workshop death watch Everyone expected it to get taken over. It was just really awful. And the 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 customers, if you go back and read the forums, are are really upset and um they love to hate it. Like that was it. Like everyone was a spurned lover. And it was just a really weird thing that like all these people both simultaneously loved the hell out of this thing, but hated it so much. <laughs> and um I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but that sort of that sets the scene for when out of nowhere it felt Warhammer Community comes out because Games Workshop had left the scene, like left the internet. What also somewhere in the early 2010s, you can still find. I don't know if you still can, but a, a few years ago, you could go on YouTube 
and you could see their original YouTube attempt. So they had a channel that I assume was started by someone who no longer works there, so they don't have the password to, like, turn it off. But, like, you can see their hype video for the Stompa when it was originally released. You can see, oh. like, uh, the last time the Dark Eldar were released. And the, the, the humor and the format, all the same, lower production value. It's, like, done on, like, a handicam. But it's all, it's all very similar to the, the style that they've been doing now. Well, and now um, I'm, and so it's I'm looking a up hilarious uh, relic. And now I'm looking up GW Stompa video uh, YouTube. Games, I think it's 2013, maybe 2010, 2013, wow. somewhere in there. But anyway, so they leave the internet. Like, they just withdraw from talking to their customers. And then so Warhammer Community comes out. There were, like, I, I talked about Canhammer earlier. There was a guy on there called Logan who is, like, the epitome of, of oh, the, yeah. the upset, um, really spurned lover. And I didn't realize that it's because those guys were fantasy players and their game had been blown up and they were forced to play 40K at this point. Um, I didn't know that was, that was what was going on. They were all just really upset that their favorite thing was no longer existed because good job, Games Workshop. Uh, yeah, I, I feel their pain immensely. That's when I used to listen to Canhammer most was when they did f- fantasy content because that was that was my game t- as well. I feel like the 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 40k scene is built on the bones of of fantasy tournament players. Dude, there's like fantasy tournaments in, at the end of the at the end of the at the end of its life were hopping. They were they had like. Six or seven hundred plus person tournaments every single year in the United States, yeah. like around the country in various different places. Like it was a lot bigger than 40k at that point in time for those kind of events. Just 40k just had Adepticon pretty much. And that was, and I remember when I was a kid, that was the rep that it had like the serious game was fantasy. Like if you wanted to yeah. play, a, you know, tactics, you played fantasy. If you wanted to have a good time, dialed up old 40k. You know, the checker and chess kind of uh, comparison came up quite a bit, yeah. I remember. Uh, that was that was yeah. my first experience with hobby snobbery, which yeah, there you is go. A, <laughs> a, a, an institution of the game. Um, so anyway, what am I getting into? Oh, yes, the arrival of Warhammer Community and the um, and the change in format. That is actually, the, when, when Warhammer Community showed up, uh, Logan on Canhamber didn't believe it was actually Games Workshop. That is the level of di- of like distrust and and upset that people had is that they couldn't believe that Games Workshop actually set up a Facebook page of all things. Yeah, because they um, were like actually- lights out before that, right? There was like no Facebook. Yeah. There was no comments. Yep, it Clearly was just my last my last rant was uh, you were just tuned out oh. and, and just hearing static. Absolutely, that, that's that's what I do. <laughs> the easiest way to go just, that's how john works yeah i just nailed painted it. a beautiful watercolor of of the 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 dark ages of, and i of our... finger painted over it like a bitch <laughs> <laughs> um i like i've said a couple of times that uh like i'm, I'm a very bad speculator um on like stonks as the kids say these days but i bought more i bought for i bought games workshop stock after warhammer community came out and Games Workshop stock in that previous year had already doubled because there was other stuff that was happening that was already sort of changing behind the scenes that was leading to more sales and all kinds of like they were releasing faster and you could tell stuff was on the move. Uh, But when they started, when they re-engaged with the community, I was like, damn, like this thing's going to pop off maybe, or it's already doubled and I'm a complete idiot, whatever. So I turned out to be lucky. Don't worry, everyone. I, 
I'm an idiot and I sold it at a very poor point, poor point. So this is not a brag, brag thing. Not um, stonks. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, from there, um, they have like that. I know you can look up the stats on, on Warhammer community, but it's millions and millions. I think it's like 4 million visits, site visits in, in the last six months on, on the site that I was looking at uh, for that measured traffic. So it's not insignificant. I mean, it's probably like 50 guys just refreshing it because we're weirdos, but FAQs got to drop, <laughs> you know, like, um, but like, so that is, that is the thing is that it really, um, re re energized a lot of the people who just wanted to talk. You know, like there's somebody like, why won't you just talk to us? Like, come and help us. That's all I had to do. So, and, and, and on like a house on fire now. So what does it do for places now? I mean, I think the people who have like suffered the most would be like your Bell of Lost Souls, your your spiky shits, places like that, where GW has kind of killed the middleman in that pretty much and just started straight releasing their own news right away. Um, rather, And now those sites are kind of releasing weird cosplay videos instead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a big consumer of, of bowls and, and, uh, and, and the like, um, or like fate. What was it, Fate 2012 or Fate 582? Oh, I, yeah. When I got back into it in like 2014, 2015, I was on that site like daily. Yeah, it was it was hot. But now they just, actually, the answer is most of those sites literally cut and paste the Warhammer community articles and put them up. Yeah. Yeah, I know because um, uh, Spiky Bits copy-pasted one of our videos onto their page and wrote it down. And I mean, I, I lost Rob there because that's I lost a group vote because I wanted to change the uh, the thumbnail for the video that they stole to "fuck you, stop stealing our content." But <laughs> <laughs> I lost that vote. I don't think I think if anything, like um, this is something too that I really appreciated in, in the in the ITC Frontline Gaming crew uh, is that they have always had like a like a growth mentality. So like the, the rising water lifts all boats type idea. And I really do think that the more eyeballs that are checking out Warhammer community community probably means that those eyeballs are also reading all the stuff there and looking for something else to read. I think we're pretty voracious. If you look at the stats for like bowls and, and um, spiky bits, they're not in the m multiple millions, but in there, there, I think bowls is in the like a million visits. I think, um, you know, goon hammers in the hundreds of thousands, spiky bits in the hundreds yeah. of thousands. So there's a lot of traffic. But even for this, like, when you consider the fact that, like, think of your life and how many times have you ran into somebody who also, like, even really knew what this was. Like, five or ten people for me, like, it just very rarely did. It's like, we're like unicorns, right? So the internet is, does a good job of, of bringing us together. And I think that's why... Beautiful the community likes to talk to itself so much. Beautiful natural animals of Scotland, unicorns. It's a true fact right there. <laughs> That's that is the Scottish national animal because we're nothing if not like annoying. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's and like I think there was a lot of trepidation when they started the community site, like you said, because it was so it was a complete one eighty turn uh, yes. to to where they were from before. And I think for me, it really hit home. It was like, oh shit, this actually might be something. Was the the Magnus reveal video. Um, mm -hmm. where yeah. like the, the picture leaked on Fiat or somewhere like that of the new Magnus yeah. kit. And then yeah. GW released a video of them literally lifting it out of the trash and being like, Oh yeah. look here, this is, that was a Rob, that was a Rob Symes joint. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was one of his, it was him, uh, finding, uh, his, I don't think he was in the garbage can. I think it was the other guy in the garbage can. 
Um, but yeah, like, and it was funny and it was tongue in cheek and it wasn't, uh, cause again, two years before, you know, it, they wouldn't have been laughing and making a video. They would have been suing that person literally would have been sending cease and desist orders. Yeah. So like, it's, it's a complete, you're right. It's like a complete 180 in how they approach free marketing, um, for, for, and like, just, just like people who so desperately want to, to talk and promote and convert more people into playing Warhammer. It's one of the most evangelical communities that exists. I've said evangelical twice, going to retire it for the remainder of the show. Okay. And yeah, let's give our listeners a pause to Google evangelical. I know we have a lot of Southern (laughs) listeners. It'll be fine. They know what it is. Uh, Proselytize. But anyway, um, stop it. (laughs) You're making Danny feel dumb. You need to stop. (laughs) No, I know what he's saying. I just don't want our listeners to be. He was like, I know what he's saying. I just oh, don't want to be asked any questions about what it means. No one, no yeah. one's still, Jeez. no one's still listening. They, they, they have advanced. Okay. Like, real fair. I, I lost them like five minutes in. There's, there's no way anyone's hanging in there through this. I mean, I say that every episode. Yet statistics say otherwise, <laughs> and I have no idea why. Um, oh, I'm there. I'm just, just. <laughs> grinding my teeth and fucking oh and then i i get to the end though eventually it's it's rage listening but i mean back to your point i mean it's i think <laughs> the it's really easy to be negative um and a lot of podcasts that have popped up kind of really lean into that i know like we were super negative towards the middle because it's easy um and it's really hard yes. to to be positive and recognize positivity because people are much more comfortable being outraged at something than they are uh saying positive things like i think even to this day danny we get called chills uh because we like things all the time which is bizarre and people are like you have to say nice things because you review their stuff and i'm like no no we've shat on them so hard for things uh and it still happens um but yeah it's it's where i think we're starting to see a tide with content where like the more of the positivity is coming through uh more of like the love of the hobbies coming through it's kind of less of the salt uh which is super nice to see well, I mean, that's a direct result of, of the fact that they have engaged with their, their customers uh, to a degree that is infinitely more than they were doing before. And also, they did it with humor. Um, uh, they did it with, um, you know, a, a significant amount of commitment, right? So they've, they've maintained all this stuff. Um, they also, at the same time, so I remember, I think it was before Warhammer Community that all of my TO friends on Facebook we're just going for a vacation in the UK. You know, like, the, you know, it was like, I saw, I remember Brent, like, going to London and, like, Reese and Frankie. Oh, time to, can't wait to see the UK. And I'm just like, why are all these guys going to England all of a sudden? And the, they were literally going over to to, to set up the, um, the playtesting group. And yeah. shortly thereafter, we got the draft 7th edition FAQ, uh, which was a, you know, clear um I, to me it looked pretty clearly written by people heavily involved in writing the itc faq considering almost yep. all of the rulings were dovetailing with those so it looked to me like like the they were given sort of the you know would you guys like to help type thing i'm just again this is pure speculation but it sure looked like they helped with the faq and then they kind of got they got made they went over and they yep. got kissed the rings and signed the docs came back with resin you suits know, and like the level of humility that GW has taken as far as rules writing goes in this edition, like or in last edition as well, like wherein there's been 
so many times where stuff has been super bad for the game and nothing has lasted really more than like six months of like being yeah. of the game being like not not bad because it's still not bad even when it's bad right not like seventh edition um, um like well, i mean seventh had pretty its, solid like yeah seventh had its i think seventh was i don't know i really liked it pretty much until yanari yanari jump was my jump the shark like at that point i was like okay there's really no point in anymore. I, I literally just stopped um and i i don't remember what i did with my time probably just waited impatiently um angrily wrote letters we wrote letters so yeah like i mean there has to be some credit there i mean there's also a need i think to keep pushing um because i think there still is reluctance to to truly lean into and invest in the the word that is literally in their name in games and i i I believe that games um there may be truth to the fact that, you know, hobbyists are the majority, like people who just buy models and paint them and collect. And like, those are like the large group of people. Um, but anecdotally, anytime a model is good, you can't buy it for four months. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's a clear link between you mean six months, six months. Well, that's COVID time. But even, I mean, like when, when eighth edition dropped, well, no, um, I mean, you know, so it's, uh, Oh, you're breaking up. Oh, it's okay. There's two of us on the Alaskan internet at the same time. Try again. I'm not editing this, Danny, but you can say this again. (laughs) Wait, which thing? The six-month anecdotal joke? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. I I understand that reference now. (laughs) Any more than six months, and it's not competitive anymore. Um, Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like true. it's like yeah, Thunderfire cannons. By the time they came back in stock, it was over. You know? <laughs> it's funny their, their production, their their like their factory is chasing the meta just as hard as we are. Like it's oh, yeah. it's it's kind of funny in that regard. I just imagine and, their factory is staffed by like one person who gets really pissed off. Be like, why is everyone buying fucking impulsors? Jesus, I'm gonna make these. <laughs> just got he's just got a Marby red hanging off the edge of his lip. <laughs> Little bowler hat. I'll tell you what, like now is the time to sell all your second. Like if you want to get rid of some new in box stuff, like the secondary market right now for GW is insane for stuff that's being chased by the meta. Yeah. Um, Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Or just scour like now all the, all the like small town game shops have web carts cause COVID. So like, just go scour, scour like small towns cause they, I found two impulsors on the shelf of a of a smaller town outside of Toronto, like when I shouldn't have, just because I like check their web card. Yeah, that's how I got my Lord Felsis after that got discontinued, uh, as I just went around in small town uh, game shops with web cards and I had to mail it up. Are you so, making fun of me, or is that real? No, that's real. Like because okay. I the Lord okay. Felsis is like the only Death Guard Lord of Contagion model who has the scythe. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're like, we're discontinuing him, and then obviously it's sold out everywhere. So I went on a mad search for it. And a game store in Arizona had one, and I bought it. So, yeah, show, shop local, but also online, I guess. Support local business from far away. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And they won't invite you into the state. So you No, know, they won't. nice thing that you did. Tampa, uh, Phoenix, all places that I have very large grudges against is my vindictive nature. In the business, they call that a callback, guys. That is. That is. I appreciate that. It's, it's Where the, were we? In the business. The highest form of human. <laughs> in, the, in the biz, we call that losing our place. With a sequester. Um, so we were, 
we were t- <laughs> we were talking about the things that GW did that really improved their customer relations. Uh, the last thing we touched yeah. on was the rules writing um, and the yes. increase in the FAQs and everybody's yeah. trip to the UK. Yes, everybody's trip to the UK, the FAQs. Um, uh, yeah, and like that was a sea change. Just the fact that they were paying attention to, like you know, we joke that it's the intern who writes the 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 FAQ sometimes, but. Great. They're put they put an effort they put an intern on it. You know, like that's still some value. Oh man. Imagine and, um, imagine being that guy where like it's your job and you're paid well to write these FAQs and you go online to see how they're received and all that <laughs> anyone's fucking saying is you misspelt Tau. <laughs> you're like, Oh yeah, I know, thank you. Well and that's and that's I think that's one of the things that really does is kind of annoying because I feel I think I think they could save themselves basically all of the 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 trouble that they get there's always going to be negative reactions to the the stuff that they release or people who don't like an approach to rules or whatever but the basic quality control stuff has always been there as a problem it is something they have to know about you know that they that they aren't good proofreaders that they don't have good um version control that they that they don't work off of, you know, um, the same spreadsheet. They may not have spreadsheets. I don't know. Like there's stuff that they could do that from, as an outsider, you know, they could do, and it would prevent a lot of this angst and annoyance that, you know, uh, that the community gets like, like Naden with, with his, uh, is it, is it one razor wing pigeon flock or is it minimum three razor wing pigeon flocks? I don't know. There's kind of conflicting evidence on that. So, and that yeah. doesn't need to happen, right? They could, they could, they're a big boy company. They can fix that. And I think that's why people get so mad is because it's like, why is, why, why? Like think, you can do better than this. I think why what's do funny we have for to me buy a book? <laughs> is that people, so, people believe the board are sitting there like this evil maniacal thing. Be like, and then we'll release an app that crashes every time you try and scroll down on plague marine rules. <laughs> That'll oh, show man. those bastards for giving us $2 a month. No, but I mean, you know, it's maybe not the board, but there's a control somewhere that's saying, no, you can't, you know, hire, you, know, you can't contract uh, a, an actual development company for a few million bucks to build the app properly, even though that would be 100% a massive driver of revenue for them. Like they make their money, like if they went to a subscription for rules, I, f- I fully believe that they would like, yeah, I would pay like make 20 a bucks tremendous a month amount of money. Yeah, like, honestly, I don't know what the number is. Like, I don't, like, 20 bucks, easy, no problem. Like, and I got to think that they would just be able to achieve a level, because people will pay for legitimate service rather than pirating. That is, I think, something that's been proven a lot. Like, the majority of people will. Some people will always pirate, but majority of people would love, like, a reasonable way to, to access this stuff. I'm off track. No, you're good. There's there's no track. This is all field. Um, yeah, we're, we're just running. We're just running. We're in between the trenches. We're Chariots of Fire's plan. We're at like Versailles, 1916. We're good. Um, um, would you say, so like uh, we you mentioned it before, like uh, competitive players are not the primary purchaser of GW product uh, by what? a long shot, right? Oh, but would is, you... Yeah. Would you put them down as probably the the beta testers almost for the game, where where they kind of break the rule set to the point where it makes it fun for your casual hobbyist? I can't remember where um, I saw this, but it was essentially it it firmed a sort of a, a thought I had I had already had, which is I think 
the competitive scene may not be the majority, but they are the influencers and they are the tastemakers, right? Yeah. And and they so whether or not you think you're competitive, and I see this in the casual local Toronto um, gaming club all the time. You know, like oh, we're can we don't we're not competitive players, and then they put down Street Fire with with combos and stuff that is like. <laughs> like, like not cool in that context like clearly you guys didn't talk about this like you're just playing what you think is a really good list you, right you, you may not know that it's not a good list but like that's what you're doing and um and so i think like for a lot of for me like casual is kind of a dog whistle for not good at 40k and i think those people are starting to have more resources to get better at 40k oh man um that's so, a really yeah. good tag I like that. It's a hot take. Yeah, it's a hot um, take. Casual you know, equals bad. Foul said it. Yeah, I've had my worst games against quote unquote super casual players. Like o- almost mm-hmm. always, I, I would say that's those have been my worst games of 40k. So yeah. they don't. I think a lot of it is that I, you know, it's like when you when something doesn't meet your expectations. I think it's the same reason people get mad at dice. Yep. You know, you're emotionally invested in the outcome of something, doesn't meet your expectations someone took your cookie away you're gonna you're gonna probably if you're wrapped up in that moment if you're really invested in that thing you might not have a good reaction to it you might get sad or mean so i think that's kind of what happens or if you just really like cookies. yeah yeah it really makes me want to to take to games uh business cards for local counselors and therapists so when you beat someone that's a really good burn (laughs) to give them the phone number for a local psychiatric help here this will help you get over this I need you to make me some cards that just say like <laughs> here's like some ambulance cards so that I can hand out to my opponents. Just like come up with a character as a wambulance chaser. Yeah. <laughs> and going back to earlier, now I like they have the James Workshop character in Warhammer community who's like the big, like verbose, like, you know, positive guy. I really want GW to do a Hamburglar style character now. <laughs> <laughs> who, who who goes around like sneaking pictures of things and, and leaking information. And then they finally get around to supporting the, the tournament scene and they just have a grommet, like just like a swollen purple dude. They call him just, like they could call him Gore Lord Hames. Not Grommet, Grom Grimace? Grimace. <laughs> grommet is a cherished United Kingdom oh, claymation icon. If it was Very just different. a He's guy a in a giant dog yeah. suit, that would be amazing. <laughs> also bad that might be a better bet. <laughs> <laughs> and actually correct as dogs can often grab miniatures and eat them. I've seen this before. Um, yeah. So, and I think just getting back to like the function of the competitive environment, I think that that's something that you see in other games, like especially, you know, Vig games, um, you know, there are pro gamers out there. Well, most people aren't pro gamers. Um, they might take cues from those guys about what's hot and what's cool or like what a good technique might be. But, you know, they are probably just playing for fun for the most part and just need enough skill to have fun. I think that, again, is is the thing. Is like if you're really bad at this and you don't know why it sucks and you don't know why you're not, things aren't happening right, the play experience isn't that good. So you do need to get to a certain level of skill, I think, to have a good time. Do you think like some of this, like, uh, so there's a lot of negative, um, reaction and kind of opinions of a lot of the, the better players, uh, like your Nanavatis, your, you know, your Seaglers, things like that. Does some of that come from people's almost underrating how the hobby is sort of like, this is just a beer and pretzel shitty table game. Haha, ha, Look at you. You think you're so good. And like an underlying jealousy thing 
um, or not treating it like, cause yeah, you have like pro overwatch players, pro league of legends players, and they're treated almost like revered athletes for what they're doing. Um, whereas Warhammer players that they're not treated so much like, you know, jokes are made about line cutting, um, other weird things happen <laughs> and yeah, just, it's a different level. In 1998, uh, Andy Chambers uh, pretty much ushered in the era of Grimdark. 40K went from being a really silly, slapdick, uh, sort of satire um, of, of a dystopian future to a straight-up dystopian future where you're going to like the bad guys. <laughs> and it went, so it went from, from not serious to super serious. That left the station. Everyone went on that ride, no problem. You know, like people got super into the horse. There, there are there are forty k historians at this point, who you know are fans of history of the current game. Um, but the game didn't do that. The game stayed toy soldiers in the minds of the creators. All right, so like it got like the everything around it got so much more serious, taken with 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 a, with a higher degree of fidelity. The game got left in the station for some reason, and it was always, it seems to be taboo to take the game as seriously as you would, um, you know, a piece of lore or, you know, a faction's backstory or something like that. Or your painting, like the skill that goes into, to, you know, highly competitive painters or even just highly skilled painters is, is a tremendous amount of effort and seriousness, and it's okay to be serious about that. It's only recently be, become okay to be serious about the game. And to me, I think that's a cultural thing that comes from uh, the company itself. Um, and it's guys, it's that you know, if there was a place where taking the game seriously was sort of forced on the company, it is from the community, quite literally. Like they poached one of the biggest TOs that we had, Mike Brandt. He's, he's the, you know, he'll be their community guy and their, their global events coordinator and, you know, whenever all this COVID business is done, we'll see what he's going to get up to. Um, if you follow their hirings board, as I do from time to time, you will have spotted things like, uh, you know, North American TO position. Um, you know, they're definitely getting ready to do stuff that's events and, and maybe tournament driven, which is cool. Um, but something that wasn't happening before. So that culture, I think, will begin to shift and there'll be a normalization of taking the game seriously. Because it's to me a little weird that, you know, in this age of hyper fetishizing all manner of silly bullshit, you know, like it's, when, I don't know if it was the same for you, but when I was a kid, it wasn't cool. Like my parents didn't think it was a good thing to be really into sports. That was a waste of time. I don't know if was, as Americans, this was ever a thing, but like watching too much TV was a thing, you know, like. Yeah. As a British person, were, it was a thing. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, because these are, these are, um, you know, not in line with, you know, Protestant work ethic type values, you know, they're not productive activities. These are leisure class activities. And I guess that maybe is where 40 K comes from as a game is that this is a leisure activity. It's not meant to be, um, you know, competitive and serious. The Victorians didn't let you like the, their idea of, of competitive sport you know, like the, the amateur idea behind the Olympics was you literally showed up and you just went. So you didn't prepare for it. You just wanted all your natural skill, all your God-given ability on display. You did not train for the Olympics. That's what, like, true amateurism was. A lot of pulled hammies. 
and they're probably running in clogs. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? So like there's this idea, I think there is a, a leisure class element to why the game is sneered at. Um, and that I think there's those damn Americans again, uh, bringing in all of their, their, their merit, merit based skill based perspective on things. <laughs> ruining a good pastime now i just want to see a tournament where it's just a bunch of people who show up on the day with like a box of random ass minis and be like okay got a thousand Did points AOS? looks like i have Drucari and fucking dwarves cool literally they tried to do that they literally invented that game <laughs> age of sigmar was that Oh, when you what had points for having a silly mustache or, or singing or yelling. There were no points. There were no points. Oh, there it was, were, that was, was bonuses. Hmm? That was a low blow, John. You don't have to make fun of that one. <laughs> but you know, like, like when they thought, okay, we got a clean slate. Let's invent the best game we can. Let's like, let's just blue sky this thing. They came up with a game that was impossible to, to play competitively you know, to play a pitch battle with. Um, so that's interesting. So that, to me, that says like internally there, the culture is just different. And outside, when you create art and you release it into the world and as artists and creators yourselves, you realize this. Once you release that into the world, it will be interpreted and used in ways that you did not anticipate and perhaps don't even approve of. And that is probably what happened to Warhammer 40K with, with respect to Games Workshop. And that's probably why they ran away from the internet um, is because it was such a, so divorced from what they, what they wanted to do. Are you guys texting each other about my rambling at this point? No, um, I think it looks like we just got comment bombed uh, by Mini Wargaming again, which means I have 30 oh. fucking comments <laughs> to respond to. Amazing. They flexing on you a little bit? What happened? Did no, you uh, insult them? You, usually whenever Phil Glacial Geek goes on there, uh, they mention us and they go to our most recent YouTube video and comment bomb, which great. It really helps the algorithm, but I feel compelled to reply to everyone. Oh yeah. But that I think the algorithm knows that you're trying too hard when you do that. It does. It does. It's like a <laughs> high school girlfriend. <laughs> I think I think you have to I think you have to reply to a select few you can't you can't reply yeah. to them all it's too hot you're, you're too thirsty if you reply that's, to everything that's what i'm doing that's what i'm doing yeah, you don't want to give the full kung fu grip hand job you know in response <laughs> you want to give that soft silver you gotta just give a, a light heavily lubed just real good rub down silk mm -hmm. handkerchief of a rub oh my <laughs> um i just went places though for real that i've never thought of before so i hope you guys like that that was some was free great. association yeah. i like i saw yeah. colors i saw like i tasted the rainbow it was crazy it's amazing um but uh yeah so the, the community it created competitive 40k literally did in, in seventh edition yep and forced them to support it right which is, I mean, cool and that's ITC did that, right? ITC did that for the most part because they were able to bring together like an actual FAQ of issues that Games Workshop hadn't touched for years mm -hmm. um, and get them to more or less basically force them to accept this change to their game, right? And that's that's a huge step. That's a huge yeah. step. Yeah, they forced them to pay attention to it, right? And I don't know that. Um, you know, because the, the the original playtesters were all of essentially the, the the people who had the most skin in the game. Yep. Um. So they were all the leaders of the of the big American and maybe a couple, maybe one British tournament. 
Um, but anyway, like, so the Adepticon guys were playtesters originally. Brant and some of his local crew were playtesters. Reese and Frankie and some of their crew were playtesters. So that's, like, the first cabal because, like, they had a vested interest in the success of that game. So it wasn't just ITC that, uh, especially once once they were off and running, but it did seem like it heavily influenced uh, a lot of their rulings and decisions. Yeah. Because the, the Adepticon and, and Nova were of the opinion that you play it as it lies. So right. They they were of the opinion that this, you know, Moses wrote these friggin' rules, carved them into these tablets for a reason. We're following we're following the harshest interpretation. Meanwhile, Reese is like, why? <laughs> why? And like that was what I was yelling all the time. Because you get filthy casuals who are like, you can't you play you're playing house rules. I'm like, yeah, you're fil- you're casual. This is like a game that's gonna make you way less mad. <laughs> yeah. I was super resi- I was super resistant to ITC when it first came out. Like I'm like, who are they to tell me how to play this game, right? But then trade on me, right? Exactly, full on American. Like you know, uh, just shooting guns in the in air. Gun. I'm uh, I'm drinking a beer and eating yeah. a, a, a ribeye, and like, but then like it got to the point where all right, so what's the consensus on all this different stuff? It's way easier for for us to just run events and run them as ITC events, so that we all have this shared kind of experience and what our expectations are before the game starts, and I don't have to but go also, over every little thing with my opponent. But so, also, are you going to run the ETC or the Adepticon FAQs? Like those were those were harsh, man. Like they were yeah. harsh. Like they didn't like the, the the like there was a there's a spell that came out for. Um, for um, a couple of them that came up for Space Marines towards the end. Um, like the one where you could move the terrain and surf something oh, across the table. Geomancy. Yeah. Um, there was another one that was like a double move or like a teleport and charge move. It was like a deep strike charge type thing that just wasn't done in, in, yeah. in, in, in that edition. No, and, and the ITC was just like, no, no, you can't do that, guys. This is just going to make everyone really sad. We're not doing this. And meanwhile... Right, and, like and they, yeah, and they they made stomps less. They they made uh, oh, what yeah, was that? They D, the D, yeah, they, they they did a bunch of things that just took the hardest, evilest edges off the game. And to me, I was just always so perplexed as to what, like, did you do? You really think that they actually understood these interactions? Like, if they did understand them, they probably would have explained it by now. Um, right. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they, the the competitive scene. I think coming back around to it really forced that, and it has forced the game out of garages. It's forced the game, um, you know, onto the streets, onto YouTube. Real dangerous there. You know? And, exactly uh, In the streets. <laughs> but, like, GTs, like, you, you were talking about fantasy, how amazing it was that there were, a hundred, like, six or seven hundred person events. Yeah. This is actually still pretty impressive, to be honest with you. It's but they're impressive. There probably wouldn't have been, you know, another two or three hundred GT sized events, you know, for sure. It. For sure. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. Who knows? And an untold amount of RTTs, right? So, like, that's the thing that's happened is like the, the it has just made the game very vibrant and pretty much everywhere, everywhere, you know, English is, is spoken. And actually, in a lot of places where it's not spoken, that the, like the, the, the scene is picking up, driven by the fact that. And this is the zeitgeist part, I think, of why now is that so much of our stuff is disassociated. You know, there aren't there aren't as many common places to go. You can't just go chill at the mall because uh, Kirby closed that game's workshop. 
um, <laughs> you have to, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're very, uh, you know, I think humans are social creatures and we crave social contact. And, you know, if you're a 30 something year old white male, this is as good as it gets really. And, um, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably what, what really drives that, that scene is like, you go there and you actually meet people that you like and who share this weird interest and have a lot and you have a ton like it's, and it's there's there's there are stakes involved even if you have no no ability to win it maybe you saw one of the guys on the internet you listen to their podcast you know there's just it's just cool you know there's just shit always happening bag yourself a rhino bag yourself a rhino hey play me <laughs> <laughs> Val, we've gone well over time. Uh, I want to thank you for having you I'm on. You edit. I'm uh, make you edit, bud. Fuck knows, this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> it. It's a nosebleeder. I'm, I'm not going to. You're up, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to steal any people. I'm not going to steal any people's pleasure and reduce any of this content and great things. Um, Val, if people want more of you, where can they find Devil. you? Like. Personal address, uh, home phone so, number. <laughs> I have very little thing. I'm, yeah, I'm dox myself. Um, I have very little things to promote show wise. Um, Pete and I uh, have for the entire pandemic. Uh, next Tuesday at noon BST, which is three oh, a.m. Uh, Alaska time. Alaskan time. Yep. I know um, because I've had to make several UK phone calls this week, and it's really early. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, we do the, uh, 40k adjacent show, which is where I've learned this technique of talking about nothing in circles for about an hour. Um, hour and, six. Uh, if, <laughs> if you, if you're into that, um, uh, come check out the 40k adjacent show. You can get that on the honest war gamer. Something I would like to touch on before you, uh, awkwardly segue to whatever your next segment is, do it. um, is uh, I'm very passionate about a Kickstarter that is probably going to be revealed next week to oh. do with um, an app called Rifle Ruler. You guys ever heard of it? I, I have yeah. the premium subscription to it. Oh, very good, sir. Yeah, well, it's you, a you fantastic also, gaming aid. You also thought it was super neat. Well, when I saw it, I thought that might be a bit awkward to measure stuff on tables, but I think it would be a game changer if there was a desktop version of it that streamers could use. And for those of you who don't know what Rifle Ruler is, it's an AR app, which will project, um, you know, graphics and things right onto the tabletop. So it looks like you're playing with holograms. It's cool. But also it gives you to the millimeter measurements. So if you were able to, if streamers, for example, covering, I don't know, live tournaments and events had access to this tool, uh, it opens up a lot of things for being able to explain the action and also show the action on screen. Because I think um, I'm really obsessed right now with how do you make 40K watchable? Because there are so many hot takes out there about how it's impossible. And fuck those guys. So we're going to do it. I think some technology is going to help. Um, and so if you cut next week, you can check out the Rifle Ruler uh, Kickstarter. Uh, we're trying to raise 8,000 U.S. to pay for development costs, which as a, it's a lot of individual money. As a community, I think it's pretty achievable. And I think, honestly, I legitimately believe that this is something that opens up, um, opens up a lot of opportunities for innovation and for people to uh, show the game in a different way. And if mm-hmm. every Mob Rules listener donated only $4,000, we would hit our goal. <laughs> Of eight thousand dollars, 
yeah. Well, we have a lot of support from from you know some big time streamers. Hopefully, I can actually get them to support us in public. So my hope is that you know those streamers contribute, and also their audiences might want to have this technology available because it'll improve the viewing experience. Um, but we all know that. 40k players are superstitious and suspicious of technology and change so we'll see how this goes over you should just start a um, rival kickstarter where you donate money to quote unquote not build this device that'll help things mm-hmm. and then just now use you, that money to pay for it. it yeah yeah. now you got it um so yeah it's good i haven't think i haven't think like um like uh you know table bossing for example with it you could you could do it remotely you know, uh, you could judge, like you could have, if you had like your top 10 tables with an overhead cam, um, you could have a c- cabal of remote judges just watching the feed, checking up on measurements, sitting on sideways. You, know, you, you, you don't need, you don't need, uh, you don't need to have, you know, guys who can travel all over the planet to, to coach 40K games. You can give them this tool and a, and a camera feed and they can watch from wherever the hell they are. Nice. So that's pretty cool. I think. I think it, I think there's lots you can do uh, with it that advance the game. So please, if you can, swing by Kickstarter, Rifle Ruler. Um, you can you can click to follow it right now, and uh, it'll give you an alert when it goes live. And if this is published in the future when it's already live, please kick in what you can. Danny, what what else you got for Val while we have you here? So I don't uh, again cut you off before you want to no, say things. I'm done with him. Oh, fair. Okay, we're done with you. <laughs> Take him no, away. Man. That was, dude. It was that was that, what a great conversation. Yeah, and, uh, so many insights. I oh, it's super. And jokes on you. We're gonna ask you back for more speculative bullshit in the future, buddy. It, you know what? I'm all about speculative bullshit. Um, you know, I don't even need a topic sentence. Hell yeah. I I will I will just Perfect. interpret. Perfect. You just give me. A, you can give me a color. We'll you do know, a maybe, 40k uh, adjacent preview show. Uh, like, <laughs> or, or the 40k isn't like training like with training wheels because uh, we are nowhere near as quality as uh, Robbie Val and uh, Falcon who have that. Uh, I feel like we're I feel like we're a podcaster show. I feel like like a hundred people listen to us, but they all have podcasts. So that's was, literally where we are uh, as a podcast. <laughs> if I'm being real with you, um, like. Like we're like oh, okay, it's pretty cool. Like, but it seems to be like yeah, a lot of podcasters listen to us. Uh, but then weird. again, right now that's a third of the player base, so that doesn't really say much. <laughs> that's, right. that is a, that's probably where most you know listeners are. Yeah, yeah, we're getting ready for that yeah, revival yeah. of the Overlords. Uh, Val, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we will right. catch up with you later. Welcome everybody to Lo-Fi Beats to Get Good To. I'm Ennis, and I'm here again this week to talk to you about Killing Your Darlings. Kill Your Darlings is a literary device that means taking out anything that doesn't directly advance your story in writing. So you might have a plot point that's just really key to your personal love, but one that doesn't necessarily help the story, or a character that does the same. A good example would be the casino plot in Star Wars 8, where, yeah, it's kind of fun, Um, but it doesn't really do anything for the overall plot and it kind of just is overall negative to the thing but you could easily see how that might have been the director's like favorite part of the film and that's how it stays in so how we can apply that to 40k is that in order to really level up your gameplay you need to be a bit brutal with yourself it's very easy to fall into a pattern of 
Let's uh, say for me personally, I absolutely love playing with gene stealers, especially cracking gene stealers with the swarm. I think it's incredible fun, but ultimately it just doesn't hold up in 9th edition. And if I was more inclined, I might still be playing that just because it's what I personally have the most fun playing. But because ultimately in my heart, my comp I'm a competitor, I've put that to the wayside. I have 120 gene stealers that don't see the table. And as much as that makes me sad because I don't get to play it, it definitely helps my win rate. And it's something that you'll see a lot of top level competitive players do is that they won't necessarily play their favourite army or their favourite unit in that army just because it's it's not competitive enough. And killing your darlings in a 40k sense really does just mean having a hard look at whether the choices you're making in list design and gameplay are optimal or if you're doing it because it's just something that you like to do. So ex examples might be you might really love going for wraps and traps in combat but and you try to find a situation where you can use it or you might have a favorite stratagem that you always go for like you always double shoot your obliterators when you drop them in uh, and there's two kill your darlings there you need to remove the spending cp on obliterators and then also the obliterators you should do both of those things 40k is very much a game of resource management and if you are hamstringing yourself because of play patterns and things that you enjoy it's important to understand that that's not optimal. And that doesn't mean that you can't do it. You can certainly work around limitations. You see people going for best in factions all the time. Uh, a player might go for a best in faction in a faction that just isn't very good right now. And it's important to understand that that's a limitation you're placing on yourself and not one that you can hold up for if you're looking to top eight an LVO or compete for your national team in the WTC. You just need to recognize the limitations of what you're doing. And even in situations like that where you are you're sitting there and you're committed that you will win with GSC you then need to take a second look at it and say okay am I playing GSC because I just want to play GSC and I want to have fun or am I trying to really compete with GSC because then you take the, the second layer of it where okay you need to then drill down and remove anything that's just there for the sake of it and really drill into the heart and power in the faction and that's where you'll find it can be quite difficult and you'll want to you know, you'll want to leave your favourite units in. You might love using the, the Primaris Chaplain at the moment. Um, and if you're just finding that he doesn't work for your win rate, you might just need to cut him, even if he's your favourite painted model. Uh, and I think this is an important concept to understand, is that it's not saying you have to kill your darlings. I don't think that like this isn't writing where you are producing a product that you want people to read and buy and sell. This is for you to enjoy the game of 40k, but also to do as well as you can. And killing your darlings is a really important step to take to getting to the point where you can start becoming a better player because you are removing any limitations on yourself that are being just placed there by your army and you're able to remove the the extra variable of having a poorer army and you can just focus on yourself and becoming a better player as part of that and that's why i think this is quite important thanks again john and danny for having me on i'm going to keep saying this after the end of every single episode uh Thanks, guys. Oh, man. Some spicy takes there uh, for oh, minutes there. Good. That was good. Yeah, I mean, the chill beats are still chill, and the getting good is still getting good. Danny, what is a darling that you have killed but have hated to do it? <sighs> um, let's see. So... Oh man, this is tough actually. Yeah. I normally keep my darlings. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't maybe that's why I never win. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see. Okay. So here's an example of that. Um, I traditionally have always played with Eldred in my Eldred. You my Eldar do army. love and Eldred. I do love Eldred. Um, but I did have to kill him when I wanted to compete in the Harlequin, uh, like for top Harlequin player a few years ago. Um, I had to drop him out of my army list because he just wasn't fast enough and he always got left, left behind. So I ended up po- putting in um, uh, a Farseer Skyrunner instead. And uh, that was a way, and it made my army better, like for sure. So that was a way that I could uh, uh, really uh, like maximize that. Um, uh, th- so that's like, that's like an example of that, I guess. Um, and kind of gets to the heart of what's really good about my army. Oh man. I have what so many, you? I have so many, I mean, you know me, I tend to get attached to like one model and then try and build everything yeah. around it from like death guard, terminator sorcerer to gargantuan squiggith to, I mean, I think every single army I've tried to run has one non-optimal thing that I just, for some bizarre reason, love and will not not take mm-hmm. uh, until it goes too far and I have to not take, which is what we're going to be talking about next. Uh, but yeah, my most recent example would be that Terminator Sorcerer, where in theory, having a Melt-A-Gun and a Chain Fist that I can drop anywhere uh, is great. But then if I could just, for last points, take a Malignant Plaguecaster, who also does Mortal Wounds and also has, you know, can do this thing and also does this, um, it's just way better in that situation. Yeah. But it's a sure. really important thing, and it kind of brings us to our, our next topic, though. We we highlighted after Danny so greatly brought us back to actually letting you guys know what the fuck we were going to talk about today. Um, <laughs> try, fail, then try again. Um, really perfecting your army list, which is something like I personally have worked uh, super hard on the last few years. Uh, and Danny, I know you uh, find list writing, I think I think you said before you find list writing like the hardest part of 40K. <clears throat> I just like, I don't know. I always want to take units and I feel like I am uh, not, not the greatest at it all the time. Um, so, so I guess starting, uh, starting at the start, um, which is probably mm -hmm. a great place to begin. Um, how do you decide like when you're like, okay, I'm going to go to this tournament or I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to play this game. How do you decide what your list is going to be? Um, let's see. Well, first I decide how serious is the event that I'm going to, right? Like, do I want to try out something for fun? Do I want to try out something that is going to be really, really good? Um, and it's sometimes hard for me to decide between those things. Sometimes I do take a fun list to a serious tournament and just see how good I can do with it, you know? Um, but, uh, that being said, so that's kind of the first step that I take. And then I decide what kind of army I want to play. So I think about what kind of, uh, first I decide, I never decide this based on what armies I'm going to see in the meta. Almost never. It's usually a cool concept that I want to play, like, or, uh, I want to play a certain army because that's like the army I'm concentrating on right now. Or maybe I'm trying to like, uh, put up some scores for best in faction or something like that. Right. So, uh, that's kind of my next step. And then I kind of, uh, if I don't already have a concept in mind for where I want to take the army, uh, excuse me, I will, uh, I'll work on, uh, trying to like, look at maybe some, uh, some lists on the internet, uh, see what people are taking. That's good. Um, if it's been a while since I played, um, but usually I kind of have a, a concept in mind of what, like what I want to play in the army specifically usually models that I own. 
Um, I don't usually try and buy extra models for an event, but I mean, I do if I have. I do if I have to. Like if my like something's so good in an army that you can't not take it. Like I'll do that. Um, and then once I've done all that stuff, uh, I kind of start with a list. I start with uh, an idea of what my units are going to try and do. Um, so I make a list. Uh, like a rough draft of it, I kind of throw a bunch of units in there, then I try and cut back. Um, and then uh, and then I kind of look at the list and I go, okay, well, and, I, you know, we've, we've talked about this, like, numerous times on the show, right? Like, how does this army win the game? So I ask myself that. I look at what secondaries I should be taking. I look at... Um, uh, what things are gonna what things are gonna net me the most points, and if the army is viable, and I kind of run through some of the common matchups of things I would expect to play at an event, and if I feel like my list suffers against those kinds of armies, then I go, okay, well, if that's the case, what can I do to make sure that my list works right, um, and the changes I need to make to kind of tech against those kind of armies that I expect to see either in the meta or at the event specifically. Uh, and then I do that stuff. That's kind of how I make a list for an event. Yeah. So for me, up until very recently, I would start by opening my codex, and I would read through the stratagems. And I would look for cool things that stood out to me or cool combos that I could do. And then thinking, how can I really maximize that combo? So something before we played a few months ago, like so I'm looking at the new Death Car Codex. And look at the Harbingers. Uh, they have the Poxwalker strat, right? Where, you know, mm -hmm. um, you can reroll all hits and wounds. And that combos really well with the Poxwalker strat from the main book where uh, you get sixes or mortal wounds. Uh, so how can I build around that? What can I do? Um, that didn't work out so good. I think in eighth, it worked out really well. Um, like as a way of how do I maximize the power level of my army or how do I maximize my damage output? And in ninth, it doesn't really work. So about you know a month ago, before the most recent tournament we had, I kind of changed my thinking. Mm -hmm. And instead of opening my codex, I opened the uh, GT pack. And I went straight to the secondaries. And I looked at oh, my army book. And okay. I looked at the secondaries. And I'm like, okay, what does my play style maximize? Um, so like knowing, like I played for years now. I know how I play, like regardless of whether I'm playing Tyranids or Eldar or Death Guard, like looking at it and being honest with myself, how I play doesn't really change. Like some of the tricks I do, some of the moves I do, um, but overall I'm still pretty overly aggressive. I'm still looking to move. I'm still looking at doing stuff like that. Um, so with that in mind, what secondaries am I going to score? Uh, and trying mm -hmm. to almost take the the opposing army out of it completely because yeah like yeah i might all die but i'm going to score these points so i think for the most recent rtt we had um i looked at it i was like okay i feel i can pretty reasonably score or spread the sickness most games so i feel like i should take a lot of pox walkers because those are like perfect for that um i also feel that i could reliably score engage at all fronts in most games so I have to have things that are fast or things that I can make sure that are in four table quarters or three table quarters every turn. And so in doing that, I need things that are yeah. durable because they need to stay in those quarters. Um, and then if I look at that, that I gain maybe like I, and I don't look at it as I can max the secondary. That's, that's a trap right there. It's what secondary can I reliably score eight to 10 points on regardless of who I'm playing. Um, nice. I think that's great. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's that's what I did, and that's how I built kind of the the most recent iteration of our li- of the list that I'm using. Is it's like how can I reliably because if I feel I can score thirty points from secondary, I'm going to score ten points because I'm going to be painted. I'm already forty points right there, mm-hmm. um, which is, is is pretty big. And that means if I score twenty to thirty points in primary, that puts me sixty to seventy points, which is a pretty high scoring game. Um, where so if I can deny some scoring, that's going to help out a little bit. Um, I think what's really important, and this is kind of, I think, what separates, uh, like, the really good competitive players from the average ones, is after you have this list, uh, not just showing up at an event and expecting to do really good for it. Um, I, I want to say I've only improved because I've had practice games where I've gone in expecting to lose. Um, and I think... Sure. It's expecting the the thing you need to do is view practice games, not as a way to kind of pad your win loss percentage, but to learn how your army plays, oh, yeah. what works and what doesn't. And something, Danny, you taught me really early on is if you lose your practice game, don't change your list. Yeah, keep playing with it, like, and see if you can do better the next time. I think that's really important. Right. So I I I work really hard now personally to. Uh, play the minimum of three games with a list without changing anything because maybe Mm -hmm. the first time you do your practice game like you know your opponent brings knights and maybe you know you just you don't know what to do you haven't played that army before you get white but maybe next time they bring sisters and you do really well against that well then you have to ask yourself what makes the two games different what was different is there anyone that necessarily didn't work in both games like for for our practice games danny like I had to take a long, hard look at that Terminator Sorcerer and kill that darling because it really wasn't doing what I wanted it to do in that list, and other things could do that job way better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so that's kind of how. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, you were super jazzed about that sorcerer too. So I felt really bad when you had to shoot him in the head and take him out of your list. <laughs> but, but see, I was super jazzed. But here, I have a really rad model now. Um, and the thing, the great thing about modern Warhammer that we just talked about with Val is um, everything is constantly shifting and changing. Like, yeah, so just because my darling right now isn't great doesn't mean in six months he's not going to be. Like, honestly, if that guy dropped 10 points, I would take him in a heartbeat. Um, it's sure. just kind of like at the current cost and what I need him to do. And I think it's important like to be jazzed about it, um, but to be honest about it too. So if you have units that aren't working, um, like another great example would be for me, Plague Marines. Like I would love for Plague Marine spam to just be a thing. And all, looking at the Chardon book, uh, that it might be a thing again soon. But right now it's not. And I'm being okay with that. Um, and trying to find a list that fits my play style is going to score me points um, and mm-hmm. allow me to have fun. Because again, I, I see a lot of people. I think that's that, key. Well, well, what's that? That's key, having fun. That's right. a big part of it, man. That's the whole reason we do this. Because a lot of the list advice I see is like someone will post a list and be like, hey, man, this is what I'm thinking about playing. And so like you'll post your list and be like, oh, yeah, that's no good. This is what you need to play. And it's just like copy paste from like an Art of War battle report, right? And it's like, okay, right. great. That works for them. But maybe your play style is different than that about you and different than Seekler. And that's uh, the main thing for me about netlisting is like you would get these lists and then you would play them, but they're not to how you usually play. Like maybe I netlisted a super defensive list 
And like Danny, you've played me enough to know that like if I'm not mid table turn one, then I'm not having fun. Uh, so like if I like netlist is like super defensive list, it's not going to win. It's not going to do good. And there's a lot of it that goes to like the pilot uh, as being the reason why it's winning. Well, there's no context there, John, right? Like you don't have a context for why that list is good, which is why a lot of times those net lists like can fail. Yeah. You don't have the experience of like building lists from the, from the ground up. And like, yes, a lot of people can take some of those, some people can take those lists and do very well with them, but that's definitely not everybody. So I think you need to get to a certain skill level before those become like really excellent lists. But yeah, I think personal opinion, I guess. Personal opinion here, the, the best thing you can do to get better at 40K in this edition is look at the secondaries, look at what you know you can score, and build around that. And also, it's been said on a dozen podcasts now, don't take scrambles. You don't take scrambles? No. I wouldn't. Like, uh, it's, a lot of people say don't take deploy scramblers. Because oh. okay. you're specking your army so maybe putting 100 points towards getting it by dropping something in your opponent's deployment so i mean there's some armies where it's easier to do like sisters have a pretty easy time of it but a good opponent will be able to and you've seen this against me when you did it uh, a good opponent can screen out the deployment zone pretty well against scramblers yeah and it's not it's it's not hard to screen it out pretty well and because it's an all or nothing secondary it's yeah it's not fantastic but still good. Yeah, I mostly prefer the. Uh, uh, oh God, why can't I think of the name of this? Uh, progressive secondaries. Yeah, I like those much more. Things that score the end um, of your turn. Usually, although that's funny, I say that and I just talked about my Dark Angels list <laughs> getting like sixty points at the end of the game. So I don't know who knows. But I think what's important yeah, for that is that kind of goes to the thing where you look at your secondaries, you look at the ones you want to score, and then you build your army around that. And your Dark Angels list is definitely something where it builds around that. It builds around while we stand, we fight. Yeah, which is uh, super that's powerful if you can score it there. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's our little uh, tidbit of advice for this this week, I believe. Hell yeah. That's Hell yeah. That's a good tidbit. Uh, that's really solid advice for any player. Hell yeah. And I got to say, like, um, for doubters, like, I took my own advice. That's how I built my list. And, like, yeah, it was a little eight-person RTT, but I ended up winning because I was able to score. My army died every single game, but I outscored my opponent because my list was designed not around killing, um, but it was designed around winning points in the mission. So, yeah. Exactly. But but that's what wins, right? That's I mean, what so wins. You can't can't fault you there, man. Points win, and that's what matters. It turns out we're we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna be right back. Balakor, uh, Prince of the Chaos, Undivided, uh, got bumped to next episode. Um, so we're gonna take a break, and we will come right back. Earl Hagen was a legend. In 1960, he whistled his way into Hollywood and into our hearts. Decades later, he made a comeback, lending those lustrous lips in the 1980s to such bands as the Scorpions, Guns N' Roses, and Pat Benatar. A half century after his humble beginnings, he's at it again. This time without cumbersome musical accompaniment, he'll have you wetting your whistle and whistling along. His new album, Earl Whistles Disney, is sure to be a hit with all generations. Order now and receive a bonus album, 
Earl Whistles More Shit, a collection of previously unreleased material of Earl's favorite songs through the years. On this bonus album, he demonstrates his newly mastered technique of inward whistling. Order yours today on compact disc or double-length cassette. Also available at fine retailers such as Walgreens, CVS, and participating Sam Goody stores. Earl Whistles Disney. Buy it today. Oh man, and we're back, and that one was just for the one person who responds to every YouTube video asking us not to play that ad. Um, but ironically, they do ask for they do ask for a Patreon tier where they can get a version of this episode without this ad. I don't think they quite realize <laughs> how little I enjoy editing to actually make that happen. There's not a dollar amount you could put on there to make me edit, dude. Make it a hundred dollars. <laughs> no, I still wouldn't do it for a hundred dollars. Like Val was like, really? "Yeah, you're gonna have to edit this down to thirty minutes." Like, no, we're just gonna run along today. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so because we ran long with Val, Bellacore is gonna get bumped to the next episode where Danny and I will talk about it, uh, like an evolution, I believe, of our uh, worst characters in 40k series. Not saying Bellacore is worse. It's gonna be just a mob rules history of Bellacore. Uh, we're going to look at their notable deeds and then just make fun of them in the most uninformed way possible uh, that two people can do looking at a Wikipedia article five minutes before they record. Of course, as 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 is tradition, right? That quality that you've known to expect uh, from us right here. Um, yeah, and then again, uh, if you are interested, we do have a Patreon, uh, Mob Rules. Uh, you got to turn that adult filter on because we're naughty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we Gets you access to our Discord. Uh, recently, uh, Russell, one of our listeners, uh, I found a random uh, old Lord of the Rings box I won years ago that apparently he was looking for forever, so I just sent it to him because I would rather someone who would actually genuinely enjoy it had it than it would sit in my closet or I sell it on eBay because, again, I'm very lazy. Um, yeah, I, I know. I really need to move a bunch of stuff on eBay. That's uh, next on my kind of to-do list here. Big same. Uh, I have an Eldar army I'm going to get rid of, I think. And an orc army when you're nice. I gotta Double do nice. it. I gotta do it before they make plastic aspect warriors in 2030. Oh yeah. So that's gonna eh, be I'll be fine. I don't mind playing with my old ones. I like those models a lot. Yeah. Um Danny, if you have anyway. anything else you want to add in there before we finish? Um they said a great time with Val. Uh-huh. Uh he had some real interesting points uh, and some real good things to say about why GW was involved more in the community now, as well as kind of the comp yeah, community yeah. in general. Um yeah, so, uh, I mean, I guess, like, uh, for me, um, other than, of course, plugging our uh, our brothers, brother and sister podcasts. Hell yeah. Of the Rogue Trader Network, which you can find wherever mediocre podcasts are downloaded. If you want to look on YouTube um, to see some real Danny Rage, uh, just the latest uh, Dangly Boys TTS battle report. I think, Danny, you, you mentioned yeah. earlier. <laughs> Uh, not my finest moment, but uh, yeah, definitely check it out. See how much of a bitch I am. Um, I'm just saying then, it because uh, if Seth played me, it would be like turn one army dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> nah, you'd be fine. You'd be fine. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh yeah, so we got uh, them, High Lords. Um, uh, I think they had an episode previously. Yeah, and then we're going to have Michael on next time. I think, yeah, right? Michael Tempe from the High Lords is going to be on our next episode talking yeah. about the new game that he is releasing soon, uh, Outward Realms. Super cool, right? Yeah. Like, well, 
Yeah, and then um, the NZ40 Chabal. Yep, uh, which they had. They've been playing in a couple of tournaments. Um, Hayden did pretty good, I think, at his at his event. I think he went uh, three one and one. Yeah, uh, which is pretty good. Um, so all yeah, the, congrats, man! Nice all job. the tournament news from although, places where you can be playing tournaments. Yeah, no kidding. Um, although I'm a little disappointed he didn't win. I mean, you know, well, obviously could have supported the network a little bit more and tried a little bit harder. But um, I guess somebody's got to play Craft World somewhere. <laughs> Apparently, it was Hayden. Um, and then um, you actually were on a special network special on the Dangly Boys station uh, with uh, oh yeah yeah Kicker Kowalski uh, from Frontline Gaming uh, talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes a cool event? Yeah, which was awesome. Uh, we kind of uh, did an informal uh, panel uh, about things that were good for events. Uh, and I think we nailed about everything. Yeah. It's funny, like most of the people on there, like whenever they brought something up, I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, that's true. That's yeah. true. Did that's you mention true. drink tokens? Drink tokens are very important. Oh, dude, we didn't even talk about drink tokens. Yeah, that's very drink important. Tokens. Yeah. Also line etiquette. Mm-hmm. I hope you brought up line etiquette. We did talk about lines. We did talk about lines. Good. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, really fun episode. Really great to really great to talk about. John, what about you? Do you have anything you want to talk about? Man, I just want to thank Innes again, uh, WTC Team Scotland captain, for continuing to provide us with uh, yeah. lo-fi beats to get good to, uh, with some just great little advice uh, every week. Uh, I always enjoy getting those in my inbox. Uh, thanks to Val for coming on. Um, uh, especially after uh, we, we had uh, Peter the Falcon on and we get a message from him and be like, hey, bitch, why haven't you asked me on? Uh, which I'm like, we thought you'd say no. <laughs> that's that's generally a response to most people. Um, but yeah, uh, very little actual to plug. Uh, we're excited. I think, Danny, you and I can start recording again in person soon. Oh, uh, which, hyped, dude, hyped, I'm hyped. so hyped for. Uh, um, before, before you leave in the summer, we're going to get a few episodes in. Um, and then... Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, because uh, Danny and I both, uh, just to share your personal medical information, uh, Danny and I both uh, on the way to, to being COVID vaccinated. Yeah, thanks for asking my permission first. Uh, uh, I do, really appreciate it. You're good, you're good. Uh, uh, HIPAA says we're cool because it's a business expense. I don't know. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> oh, why did I write this off? Uh, as, as your own employer, you can sue yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah definitely check those out uh check what out that's us what, what the hell am i even talking about doesn't matter no i, I have very little in plug person? I don't know, yeah, or in person yeah I, i'm excited to uh to, to kind of uh, record in person again uh, and even just have bad movie nights and all the other kind of fun stuff um we might have some upcoming book reviews here coming up oh yeah yeah uh warzone charadon and the Drakari codex are coming we're both very excited about those um some spicy it looks like the next uh, iteration of formations are coming with uh, armies of renown um yeah i'm very excited about the death guard one because like and many supplements um, and many supplements because yeah like with the death guard one i just see people bitching about oh i can't take vehicles now and here i am looking at my death guard army i've been using for the past three months that has zero vehicles in it so i'm like <laughs> that's pretty cool and then like there's okay. a there's a strategy where it's like hey you can shoot uh if pox walkers are in combat with people i'm like oh, okay that seems pretty cool um, like I've even thinking about dropping like just uh, plague marine squads and rapid firing into combat, like beside a tally man. That, that seems pretty rad. Um, heck yeah. But yeah, just lots of cool stuff coming. Then just flamery dudes that are fighting your poxwalkers, right? Hell like, yeah! Like just adding six inches yeah. to that range. Uh, that would be 
four, six flamers. Yeah, uh, minus one toughness. It's all good. Oh, man. And then you don't even care that uh, you're minus one to hit anymore. Uh, lots of good stuff coming. Uh, it's obviously, to me, it's obvious that the the pandemic has kind of taken its toll in the release schedule because I don't think there would be quite so much of a fuss about Charadon coming out the same week as Drakari, um if the original release dates were honored. But it's coming. Have you seen the people bitching about this, like, online? Like, yeah. I've seen a bunch of videos about that. It's really shocking to me. Like, again, I, I understand people saying, like, oh, well, this is, like, a money grab or something like that. But, like, we're getting more content. Like, why would we not want this stuff? And when have Codex supplements ever been inside the Codex? Sure. So I don't really understand what the complaint is. And I want to point people to my... um sixth edition Tyranid army which had the codex uh shield of baal right. imperial armor digital data slates and a white dwarf article to run right so it is what it is you can call rules blow i'm gonna gray beard you and just be like man it was so much worse before you're a rules blow bitch. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> dude. It was so much worse before. It was awful. Um, but yeah. So yeah, next time we're going to be back with uh, Michael Tempe from the High Lords to talk about uh, Outward Realms, his brand new strategy game that is going to be kickstarted in May, I believe. Uh, we're also going to talk about Bellacore yes. um, and, and excitement of his just literally amazing new model. Holy cow. That almost made me like trash my entire Death Guard. That guy oh looks God, so cool. He's so cool. Yeah. And then probably some other things as well. I think, Danny, you and I are going to get a game in, uh, in between now and then, too, so we can talk about that and how much of a bitch I am um, in general. <laughs> Not even about the game, just in general. Um, just in general, yeah. If there's stuff you guys want to hear, shoot us uh, a message. We're on Facebook at MobRulesAK. Uh, find me on Twitter. It's HeyJohnQ. Uh, let us know what do you want to hear. If it's nothing, then I will literally just release an hour of dead air. Uh, it's probably more entertaining than what we usually release. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Danny at Vilicate5 on Twitter. Is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, join our Patreon if you want to interact and hang out with us in, uh, in a digital format. Um, or if you don't, which you probably shouldn't, like, yeah. honestly. Don't um, do that. Like, uh, yeah. But most people who join just kind of tell me, like, I fucked my mom and my mom's a whore. And <laughs> that, that's generally how the meme channel goes. And I'm just like, okay, sure. <laughs> cool. Is what it is. Um, but occasionally you get uh, Hobbit miniatures out of it. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, but from all rules... You can, have a, no. you can watch John and I have a conversation with ourselves for like 10 minutes early in the morning. Hell yeah. When we get like psyched about Charizard. <laughs> like it's one of the four ways Danny and I communicate. I mean, I know I started the theme music. But yeah, like literally like occasionally we just get super excited oh, about sorry. stuff. No, no, you're good. We're so you're, good at it. Right? We're, we're, we're so good. That's good. Okay, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna clap as a sign. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm okay. done. Okay. So for Mob Rules, I've been John. I've been Danny. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.